are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 261 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hello everybody, it's Sun. Hey everyone, it's Geez here. So, first of all, we're going to start with one of the shorter segments of the show. We're going to start with Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. There have, of course, been changes to the game. You should now be using version 2. So, if you're not, it's going to force you to do so. Have you two had much chance to get into timelines? I have not. Shiftly looks around as she's trying to open timelines right now on Facebook, and it's taking forever. <laughs> I'm gonna have to join Sun's gang there and say, uh, unfortunately, not now. Just, I, I, I kind of stopped caring about timelines. Well, well, we, we've all sort of been there, I think, at one point. So. But um, I've actually, I like the new layout. It's so much cleaner and nicer to use. But um, yeah, I must admit, because of the things going on, I haven't had much time to play it. Um, Although I was intrigued um, when I saw this week's event. The Borg are back. Well, the Borg are here, I should say. (laughs) Um, StarTrek.com even um, listed it, and they even got a YouTube channel. And I'm thinking, if only those things that we were seeing in the video were actually in the graphics of the game, um, you could actually play like that. 
they got lots of ships attacking Borg cubes and things like that. It's just like, uh, that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, I saw the the video trailer for uh, for it, and I thought <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool to be honest. Because who doesn't want to take on the Borg? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's a shame. Um, it would have been an interesting. Um, I think that it would be more interesting game if we could play that. That. So, is this your chance now to get a ball cube or a sphere? Well, I've already got a ball cube. Um, As do I. And I've got it level nine out of ten. And I have actually noticed, you know, in the um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the missions where you technically fight against other players. Um where you've got the three um, levels. Um, PvP? Oh. Yeah, it's a PvP, but I'm trying to think what it's called within the game. Um, uh, oh, well, that's bugging me now. Grudge? <laughs> Ladder match? Get your guesses in. Arena? Arena. There you go. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I had noticed that the Admiralty level now actually has because i actually stopped playing that and then lost all my yanking um ganking <laughs> all my ranking uh, because i hadn't played damn those midnight's got all pvp on a shit he's climbing ganking. the ladders he's ganking people <laughs> uh, um but yeah, I'd lost uh, my ranking, but I'd actually noticed that some recent additions to the game included um, the um, change in the ship rewards that you get for the top level one. It is now actually the Borg Cube. So um, I just wish they'd change up some of the other rewards because all the other ships I've already maxed out. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like... In, apart from getting the other little rewards with it, there's not much point in me playing that part of the game. But, um, yeah, it's just like, oh. It, it was, I didn't actually see it announced anywhere. So it was a nice thing to notice. It's like, ooh, only thing is, is my ranking now I've started playing that one again is so low. It's, it's like, okay, this is going to take a while to level up. <laughs> so it's just like, oh. Typical. Um, thing is, it was only a week and a half ago that I'd lost my ranking um, for the Admiralty level. So it's just like typical. <laughs> I was quite high on that one as well. It's just like, uh, so usually the case. It's a bit like with Star Trek Online. I spend some money on some Zen, and then days after, there's another sale. It's like. Mm. I always seem to miss these things by days. Just my luck. That's okay. I miss them every time. <laughs> I got. I got a feeling you're going to end up putting in countless hours now. But I've been trying to play um, when I can with it, and as I said, I have actually been enjoying the um, the new layouts, especially the crew quarters. I'm so glad that's been revamped. So, and I do like the fact that you can now order that stuff as well. Order? So, uh, what do you mean order? As in, like, putting a request in the shop? Um, 
you can now reorder um, all the um, all the crew. So you can do it alphabetically. You can do it by level. Unfortunately, you can't change it whether it's top to bottom or bottom to top. So it's um, I'm sorry, just trying to. Uh, He's out. multitasking, people. We are trying to deal with Twitch problems. Trying to deal with Twitch problems, trying to deal with guest and some other things at the same time. So, yeah, trying to do about five things at the moment. So I do apologize. Which is, which is normal for midnight, but it also means he's kind of scatterbrained when we're trying to talk about an issue. <laughs> this game still hasn't loaded yet. I'm going to open a new, t- a new tab and try it again. <laughs> First real life, and now we've got Twitch problems and game problems and all sorts of problems. If it's not one world collapsing, it's the other. <laughs> but yeah, I, I started up because um, we have the Twitch problems. I was going to share the um, video link for Facebook, and then the audio started despite me having the um, the browser tab muted. And, of course, couldn't hear myself, and I was trying to think what I was trying to think of, and it just went downhill. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm not really making any <laughs> sound at all. <laughs> uh, so it's just like, uh, typical. Of all these things decide to go wrong at the last moment. The joys of being a podcast. Indeed. These things don't always go smoothly. Actually, they very rarely go smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, back to timelines. Um, so, yeah, um, the Borg event is good. It's got some nice rewards. I do like um, the crew that have come up. Um, in um, the new crew for the event's called Zero Hour. Um, this weekend so we've got assimilated torres so she's new and that's five star legendary we've got drone seven of nine which was an existing four star super rare um you can get mirror flocks that was another existing character um which again is four star super rare and then in the because that's in the event part but then in thresholds um parts because it's another one of these bigger events where it's two phases so Again, you can get Drone 7 of 9. And you can also get the Borg Queen, which is another new 5-star. Um, so that one I thought, ooh. So, yeah, I'm thinking, ooh. Well, I think the target for that was 1 billion in the rewards, which wow. I think has already been reached. Um, I think I briefly saw a post go up about it, but I didn't get a chance to check it out so um so yeah it's uh you know, ooh, that's good so i haven't actually gone back in to actually sort of check yet whether or not um i've actually got the ball queen i was gonna say that almost sounds like one of them community let's get together rewards which nine nine times out of ten always comes through yeah i don't think there's been an event that it hasn't been met um, that I've seen. I've always noticed that we've got it. Uh, um, Lucchesi in chat said they hit 1 billion in 30 hours. Damn. So um, that was really good. 
So Daisy Android said, and it was only 25k victory points for that ball queen. It was pretty anti-disruptor beam. So um, the victory points Look, we. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault people. This is what happens when you say, "Hey, let me pay you money to progress in the game." That's that's what this just just what happens. Well, the victory all points. The, all is... the all the goals always get blown through in hours. Well. The victory points that Data Android is talking about is um, what the rewards that you now get. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it's the those points that you get when dismissing them. Although that seems quite high if that is the case. Oh no, that's honor points, isn't it? So, but um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to having the Borg Queen as part of my crew. Listen, I'm not I'm not going to complain about them kind of rewards because. Uh... You know, it's not every game that you can pump your real life money into, otherwise you'd never have any money in your pocket, do you know what I mean? And uh, them kind of rewards gives people a chance to have something from the game, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing is, is, yes, this is more pay to, uh, pay to play than sort of Star Trek Online is, where I tend to just get the daily thing for the most part these days. But, yeah, it would be nicer to have more stuff in-game um, where you can sort of get it for free in some sort of manner. So it's just too much of the game. You really do have to pay. And it does turn people off. Um, and I think in some ways, as Star Trek Online players, they have got a pretty good free-to-play model, especially compared to a lot of games. So when it comes to um, Star Wars The Old Republic, um, you can't really do much in that game unless you pay. And that's the same with a lot of games. I don't know. I made it all the way to most of the the old in-game because all of that stuff, after a while, after they come out with their new content, it usually goes free-to-play. So, you know... Well, it's... I haven't... But yeah, but yeah, you're right. Their model is solely designed to to make you subscribe. Yeah. Then on the other hand, you have Eve Online, who recently actually went fully free to play instead of having a free trial. So they have an entire free to play state now. And then they have just a barrier for certain things that is a you have to subscribe to get access to things. But you can still like pretty play you know play the game for the most part yeah i mean and eve online also has the uh, has the added incentive that if you raise enough in-game currency you can then through their marketplace exchange that currency for an in-game timestamp that allows you membership see now that's a good idea however how much of a grind you have to do before you get out well considering they took away the ability for all of the cheap scalpers to make their cheap eve money off of plex it's around a billion now but again that's not difficult to do it just you know it takes a while yeah see when when the uh star wars first come out it wasn't subscription only as such it was mainly free to play and it wasn't until they brought out their first bit of content if you like um but updated wise that they started putting in the restrictions 
And I thought, okay, yeah, this, you know, it's still playable. You can still do stuff on it, but the restrictions that they put on it were absolutely shocking. And you know, I actually thought that Star Trek Online was going to go the same way, but going back to timelines, I completely understand where you're coming from. Unless you really, you know, spend your money on iTunes or Google Play or whatever and pump money into it, you can tell the difference between the people that do that and the people that don't. You know, it's it, it's yeah, and for for a game that is mobile based, the 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 whole everything about a mobile game is the incentive for microtransactions, and that's no different with timelines, and it will never be different with timelines. About the only game that was ever any sort of different in the mobile sphere was uh, uh what was it the the Bethesda one. The, the little Fallout Fallout Shelter, that was it. Everything in that game is free to play. And you can pay for, like, lunchboxes to get there faster, is all. Nothing is locked. Yeah, that's a pretty common model, though. I mean, not... I mean, take... Well, I'll take, you know, games like Family Guy and Simpsons, for instance, yeah? I've been playing them for a while now, you know, getting on level... past level 20. And for the most part, it is free. Um, and then obviously you buy things like donuts or clams or whatever to, like you said, speed things up or add things to it when they do special events and stuff. Take, for instance, um, the reason why I mentioned Family Guy because they actually did, uh, they added the next generation characters in Family Guy form uh, when one of the, it was like a special event. They did it a couple of times actually. And, uh, the model was was that you know you play the game and you grind the game to get certain characters um like you you know collect so many shirts or so many trousers or so on but on the flip side of that you can actually spend money on clams to um to obviously buy characters like seven of nine for instance and they will help you get the first lot of characters quicker by obviously doing special tasks alongside the characters that you've already got, if that makes sense. So, you know, it all depends on how, I mean, in that, in that kind of situation, it all depends on how much you really want to play the game and how much of a grind it is, you know? Uh, yeah, but see, that's, that, that's at no point in Fallout Shelter do you have to spend money on their premium currency because you can actually get it in the game. Like, not some huge, super tedious task that you have to do for seven days to get premium currency. I mean, like, they have this mission system thing set up where it says, hey, here's a daily reward, and that daily reward is a little bit of the, the premium currency if you want to use it for speeding stuff up. Gotcha, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, think of the way fallout shelter works on a mobile environment is the way star trek online works you have all of this stuff being open and available and you have the option of going and buying a lockbox or an r&d box excuse me an r&d box is a better example you have the option of going and buying an r&d box okay cool you can get all those r&d materials in the game under your own initiative without ever having to shell out money for an R&D box, period. Okay, yeah, I can see. I suppose it's quite difficult when it comes to mobile games, isn't it? Because, you know, it always depends on the company and what they want to do and things like that. 
Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's that's that. Yeah, the very nature of of any sort of company is is what their bottom line is. But the bottom line is generally money. They just have different ways of getting there. Yeah, thing is, this is the only mobile game that I play, and sort of, I've got nothing I can really compare it to with regards to how other mobile games are. But I know from Star Trek Online, as I said, I think we're in somewhat way we're sort of spoilt in the way that they've got their free-to-play model. So, because compared to many games, I think it's actually really good because it actually gives you everything, really. There's there's no content to play, there's no missions that you cannot do. Um, so, and especially compared to, as I said, even Star Wars, yes, there are you can actually do it, but it's a big struggle if you haven't paid. Whereas with Star Trek Online, you can easily play free to play with everything. The only thing you don't get is some of the ships you may want, but you can still get ships. So. Yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, I being honest with you, you know, as soon as when. As soon as they put them restrictions in on uh, the Star Wars game, I was just completely put off it. You know, I didn't. I haven't really been back to it since because of that. Because of it was silly restrictions like they would half the XP. So if you got ten XP for a mission that you would normally, you know, if you wasn't a premium premium subscriber, you'd only get five XP. You know, so technically you could still play the game, but it's just. It's like a. It was a massive grind. Yes, I will wholly admit that as a person that went from zero to in the game as a totally free to play person. Yeah, that that was that was a massive massive grind. Now, if Star, if Star Trek Online went the same way, I, I probably won't be playing that either. But then again, you have the added fact that the older public kind of blatantly said, hey, look, this is our new in-game subscription model. And it was basically, we're going to do a new episode every month or two, and that episode you have to be subscribed for to get access to. Otherwise, oopsie. Yeah. We're going to talk about Cryptic's marketing scheme again. (laughs) We're not, but somebody in the comments sure will at some point later in the episode. (laughs) But yeah, um, as I said, um, the event, as usual, only goes on for a few days, so um, there won't be much time, if any, remaining by time it's released. So um, hopefully those of you who do play Star Trek Timelines has actually uh, been able to get what you wanted out of it. So, um, as I mentioned... um, Star Trek Timelines has moved over to version 2 and will now force that update on people. And they also sent you all 3,500 honor points as well. So you can use that in the honor hall in order to get other sort of hard-to-get characters. So, um, so yeah, if you haven't been in-game, I know most of their mails come with a timer attached to it so if you don't claim your item um, quickly then you don't get it i'm not sure if this one does but even if you just sign in to quickly claim your mails um, i'd quickly just log in and do that yeah i bet better definitely do that so um 
But yeah, did you guys have a look at what they've done with the um, on a hole? I'm looking now, and um, hey, look, cheap replicator rations. <laughs> Considering they gave like you open your mail and you get three thousand five hundred honor points. Yeah. Deep replicator rations. Well, for three and a half thousand honor points, you can actually get a Stargazer Picard. Uh, and why would I want a one-star Picard? I mean, like, the normal Picard is a two-star green. I know, but people who are Picard fans may want a ship full of Picards. So, plus there are some people who, as with all these games, you just want to collect everything. So... Let me, let me gonna... put it this way. Let me put it this way. Stargazer Picard is the Wesley Crusher. Okay? <laughs> You're gonna throw it away. There's, gonna, to... there's Go. gonna be at least one person out there that does that. All all of their team is literally Picards in different costumes. Uh, when it comes to the um, the gauntlet, I tend to just pick my top characters quickly. Um and literally all but one are all Voyager crew, <laughs> which isn't... I know that's my favourite series, but it wasn't actually intentional. So they just tend to be the stronger ones. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. There are, of course, other um, crew that you can get. I'm just trying to bring it up myself. Um, so just trying to remember where he actually was. I think, how do you... It's actually under the time portal, isn't it? Yeah. So if you click on time portal, you then got on a hole. So yeah, that's the only one you can actually get at the moment. Um, for the three and a half thousand you get for free. But um, yeah, for 45,000 you can get one legendary Behold. For 50,000 you can get a legendary Honourable Citation. Um, is fuse this item with legendary crew to increase their star okay so if you just want to increase a legendary crew um star rating you can get one of those so you don't have to try and just get that particular um character because for example calus the unforgettable is a hundred thousand now if you already had calus the unforgettable you could actually spend less honor points in order to get him ranked up, because you just need to get the legendary honourable citation. In chat, um, Data Android has said, um, honour points conversion rate is really bad. Um, I haven't really dismissed that many people um, since it went live. And Lucchesi has agreed with that, um, that Star Trek timelines badly need some Star Trek Online's free-to-play model transfusion. And Alex has said, some game reward for going from free-to-play to subscriber. With the Old Republic, it always felt like they were punishing you for being a freeloading leech. <laughs> well, when I had a look at their model, because a lot of my friends were, went to go play it, as so I thought, well, I'll give it a try. But I personally... It's too much ground for me. I do prefer space combat, and especially given the fact that I didn't play with a mouse at the time, that I was using a trackpad, I found it so hard to play. But when I heard about their free-to-play model, it's just like, 
Yeah, I'm not going there. So have I stopped after the free trial after launch? And when I heard it was going to free to play, I thought I might try it again. But then, yeah, after that, I just... Yeah, I, I, I saw their model and went, yeah, I'm not even going to bother again. So I didn't. Um, Late Android says, one is for dismissing purple, 50 for blue, 25 for green, I suppose. Okay, so it's not a lot. So, but yeah, if it's only one or 200 points for a purple, then I wonder how much it would be for a sort of a legendary character. But still, given the amount you need to save up in order to spend, not a huge amount, is it? I suppose they're wanting people to buy money and spend money in game and actually get the stuff to give people characters to then get rid of them. Um, other things you can get in the honor hall, you can get super rare honorable citations. But you can get a citation for, um, by the looks of things, every level. Of course, it's going to be cheaper the lower down you get, like an uncommon honorable citation is 500. I went to say they're missing a level, but then why would you have a citation for a one-star character? <laughs> um, you can actually get um, training um, credits as well. So for 50 um, gold training um, XP increase tokens, it's 1,500. And for 150, you can get five of those. You can also just get the advanced purple ones as well. And you can get replicator rations. It's got a nice selection, but yeah, given what Data Android and the others have said in chat, it probably would be better if those were reduced or at least what you got when dismissing people was increased. So more people might use it. But the thing is, it's only just been released um, this last week. So they'll be seeing what people do. And they'll then make adjustments accordingly. Um, it's like anything else. If people aren't actually using it, then they'll do something about it. They're not just going to sort of leave it. Um, yeah, I guess we'll have either the rewards for a character increased or whether to get something from the Honor Hall store is reduced. So that's... Uh, Cassie says, personally, I think I still prefer this new system to some training manuals that I have no, that I have way too many of. Yeah, definitely. Um, although saying that I did go through a period where I decided to work on some of my characters and almost run out of training manuals. I basically used everything up that wasn't the grey ones um, and still hadn't completed them. It took so much. It's just like, ah need more so it was good that you were able to do that get training manuals when dismissing them at that point for me but at least now they've added training manuals to things like the missions and other areas as well so at least getting some other training manuals is a lot easier than it was at that point too <laughs> their android says Yes, it's better, but in the same way, it's better to get bitten by a dog instead of two dogs. <laughs> well, if they decide to decrease the amounts that 
you purchase the stuff in the store for. Dismissing your crew now means that um, you just build that up and can hopefully get something later. But I suppose if they increase the rewards you get, then um, then yeah, you end up worse off. But if you haven't got the crew slots available, which is usually everyone's complaint, then yeah, it's it's not going to be an easy thing to sort of keep hold of crew just in case sort of um, that gets increased later on. And I expect it's probably not going to be something they're going to change that quickly because they'll want to collect their data so they can actually sort of... Lol. I should yeah. also say lore too at this point. <laughs> <sighs> that was one well-strung joke. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been out for, well, it's coming up soon, I think, to a year and a half now, isn't it? I think January it came out on, um, was it January? Yeah. So next month it will actually be a year and a half old. So... If you think back of all the changes they have made, they have been pretty good with listening to sort of player feedback. So, so yeah, I'll never say never with a lot of these things. So, um, but yeah, um, now you're actually in the game, son. What do you think of the new layouts? I especially like the new faction missions layout of the uh, the the away, uh, the away team screen. The shuttle mission things, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the new layout of that has... It's so much better. So it's nice to see. It's a shame you can't, again, change the order of which ones you want. And the amount of times I keep clicking along the top icons to go to that faction to start a mission, and it keeps coming up with transwarp it. <laughs> It's like, no, just want to scroll to that particular area, especially as they're not in the same order either. <laughs> it's just like, damn it. But, yeah. See, I think that would actually be one of those nice things for free-to-play players, is actually having what they had for their, hey, we want to we wanna give this, we want to have this big, huge membership promotion thing. Okay, make that warp one thing permanent free-to-play, and then make the Warp 10, a membership only. That way, every player is actually getting used to the fact that, oh, Warp 1 exists. If I go membership, I can do it 10 times. Yeah, or make it that they can get five times and then anyone who's paying or paid certain things can get 10 or 50 times. Well, no, no, no. The uh, Disruptor Beam's model is times 1 or times 10 yeah, I'm I mean, you see that when opening the packs too. You can you can do it at normal speed, or you can do it at times ten speed. Which, thank God, the the free players actually have access to time ten speed. Opening those multi those ten packs of stuff. Yeah, Buy a ten pack from the time portal. Hit the times ten button so it goes faster. Stuff. And I'm not sitting there for a whole minute waiting for stuff to show up and then the screen for the rares to go away so the rest of it could continue. Oh my god. But, uh, yeah, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the new layout. So, the 
there's also new layouts when it comes to um, the time portal. Um, sort of that's got a fresh look, and all the icons along the bottom. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of these other bits that have been changed? The 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 time portal was updated this way before 2.0. Um, yeah. And yes, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to navigate. Wholly easier to navigate. I think the biggest change that I'm going to have to get used to is the way the new crew UI looks. Considering I was just getting used to the the updated change for the crew. Now they're all in boxes, which is kind of hilarious. Con- considering like the end game for getting one of these things to level 100 is to put them into cryostasis. Well, that's nice. They're already in a box. They can go right into fucking cryostasis. <laughs> I must admit, when I first saw it, I saw one of them was flashing. It's like, why is that flashing? And I'm sort of having a look at the screen, trying to figure out what's different. And then I suddenly realized after about four or five minutes, just like, you pillock. Is the one that's sodding selected. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it took me a few minutes. I was just like, oh dear. Just like the time when you want to send yourself a double face palm sort of little gif. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I have enjoyed using the new layout. So it's made things so much easier um, for sort of moving around and sort of now I just need time to, I've got loads of things for upgrading for a lot of the characters that I just need to sort of spend some time updating my spreadsheet and actually updating the crew themselves. Because um, I've got items and things like that, so but, uh, yeah, I, I've I've liked what they've done. Um, have you used any of the supply kits yet at all? I think I was given one, but that was before the 2.0 thing, and it had like I don't even remember what it had, but I think it had like a seven day something or other, and I just I don't know what the hell it was. Yeah, I've got one for. Um, today actually I've got um, 20 hours left on it just like I always open these things without thinking when am I going to be able to spend the most time using it and it's just like oh damn because I'm thinking okay I've just opened this and then I thought okay in an hour I've got two podcast interviews for one show then I've got to get ready for tribbles then tomorrow I've got um, editing for another show, then I'm broadcasting editing another show, and I've got the editing for Tribbles to do. And I thought, yeah, this was the wrong time to open the box because I'm not going to be able to spend that much time in the game. So, don't. So, I just see a thing. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'll do that one. And then I suddenly think, yeah, I should have actually looked what it was I was actually opening. So. In other news, I finally have a Commander Riker that has 210 command. <laughs> Thanks for finally living up to your name, dude. Oh, he's also now level 72. So, 
or well, just level seventy. T O O two. So, which Riker is that then? Just the normal Commander Riker, the green one. Yeah, actually, he, he's level seventy on mine as well. Just checked. Well, he's level seventy because now his max level is eighty. Just got him the upgrade. And put the command shirt on him. That's it. That's all I've got on him. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, mine's still max of level 70. I haven't yet. Uh, I've got one more item to get to uh, um, sort him out to level 80. But, um, yeah, I've got four Rikers in total. I've got Augment Riker, Jazz Musician Riker, and Angel One Riker. Their chest and all. Nice. Sorry, I was just uh, looking at my game and catching up with all the uh, <laughs> all the uh, emails that they send me on the game. <laughs> but uh, I can <laughs> moving away from people and talking about ships. I can actually make the uh, Intrepide class three star ship now. Woo-hoo. That's good. Considering I'm a low level, don't really play it often kind of character. So they restarted the arena divisions with with the launch of 2.0, yes. Um, some of them, yes. Because um, uh, you know how you know how I said I've just been sitting here collecting the five Maquis ships every every so often because I'm in the top fifty percentile for for the um the the commander rank. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing that with the captain's division too. I've done nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, it had been a while since I'd done um, the Commander Division, so I got knocked out of that completely. Um, so I've got back to rank 95,176. For the Captain Division, um, I'm on rank 59,675, so that puts me in the top 80% for that one. But... Um, yeah, I'm not even in the. I'm not even ranked for the commander level, so I'm not even the top eighty percent anymore. Because yeah, I had been getting the um, galaxy class schematics, and I think I'd got to the top five percent in the commander division. And then for the captain division, I had been getting, um, I think, as in the top twenty-five percent for that one. But yeah, I'd lost that um, a few months ago, so I've been slowly working my way back up on there. I was just having a look at the rewards for the for that for the captain level. Um, they've actually added Borg Cube to the top one and the top five percent as well. Um, you've still got the Romulan Dirodex warship schematic for top fifteen twenty five percent. And then you've got the galaxy class schematic for the top 50 and 80%. So those bits remain the same. And then, yeah, for the Admiral Division, um, all the rewards for that are now the Borg Cube. So, yeah, you can get the Borg Scout ship schematic now um, for everything in there. So that makes that a little bit more obtainable for a lot of people. Um, I don't have too many more to go on that because the Borg Scout ship that I've got, I've got 750 out of 1800 schematics to get me to level 10. And then that one's maxed out. So um, 
So yeah, um, I haven't got too far to go, but all the other ships that you can get in there, I've already maxed out. Because, yeah, I'm just checking, yeah, the Valjean, I'm already level 7 of 7. The Galaxy class ship, I'm already level 8 of 8. Um, the Romanon Diridex, I'm already level 9 of 9. So, so yeah, I've I've already um, maxed those ones out. So, just need to level up on the Admiral one again, so I can start getting some extras um, for the Borg ship. So, well, I got my one good RNG of the entire game by being the spin the wheel and getting enough schematics to just instantly build the Borg cube. Like that's my that's probably going to be my one lucky roll this entire game. But uh but no, I'm liking it. So yeah, as I said, I, I played a little bit today. Um uh, leveled up to level forty one, so And you yeah. said this was going to be the small segment. Well, compared to most of our other segments, it usually is. <laughs> and it probably still will be as well. Oh god. So, it's going to be another four or five hours long show, and we'll put, postpone all the, the commentary and feedback until next week, when there's even more Discovery news. So, um, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, I just wanted to sort of talk about the new layouts, because we didn't get a chance to talk about what was coming out much of it last week, and... Yeah, we don't tend to go through sort of stuff in Star Trek timelines in much detail because um, usually there's not a lot to talk about. But sort of, I just wanted to get people's thoughts on sort of how it has been working and looking because, yeah, for a change, yeah, there is actually something to discuss. So, um, so overall, how do you? Are you th do you think all the changes they've made here are good, bad, ugly? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a wait and see thing. It's honestly going to be a wait and see thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty simple to use. Um, there is a couple of bits that I'm getting a bit... I mean, I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm playing it through the Facebook browser, so I don't know if that makes a difference. But, um, yeah, it's pretty simple to use. So just kind of like looking at my characters and ships and, you know, wandering around, seeing what I can pick up and trying to knock off all these yellow tags that says one, one, two, two, and all the rest of it. What levels are you two in game at the moment? Ooh. <laughs> nah, I'm a level 11 captain, but I've got, uh, how many crew have I got? I've got 30 crew members out of 40 slots but they're all like one or two star rank people what about you Sam? i'm level 27 what about crew how are you getting with those now i try my best to not add crew considering i have 50 of 50 slots filled have you noticed that if you go over your amount that you can actually see the crew now no because i don't bother with crew <laughs> Again, it's just, it's the thing. There's the reason I stopped playing timelines is because I can't be I can't be asked to be a crew management simulator player. 
And that's what timelines becomes very fucking quickly. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of shuffling about and trying to get little things to make up big things. Yeah, but then, in a way, most mobile games are just big time wasters where you're literally just shuffling stuff around from what I gather anyway. No, you're absolutely right. Like, like I said earlier, I suppose you decide to put the time in for the grind or not, innit? Yeah. So, um, but no, I'm happy with it. The thing is, because um, I haven't been doing much with it and just been going in for the most part and just trying to collect some chronotons and the daily dilithium, um, I have actually got some spare slots now. Um, I'm only running 164 of 170. So, um, and only. So. Only. <laughs> yeah, it's taken a lot to get there, especially with once you get to it being 3,000 dilithium for an extra five slots. It's just like, oh. Yeah, it's just that bit gets a bit tiresome. But yeah, for the most part, sort of yeah it's just like i log in and especially with this daylight savings issue still um being about that now just getting the extra chronotons is um it's a bit of a nightmare because i usually take my lunch from midday to one and because they're things in the wrong time zone for me it knocks that to one to three instead of twelve to two so yeah i don't even sort of get to sort of get those extra ones and even when i come home it used to be i come home get change go into timelines get the extra chronotons but again i've got to wait an hour so then by the time i get something to eat and then moving on to doing something else i forget all about it so bugs like that which a year later still there means i don't actually go in game to play it Damn. So, um, yeah, sorry, just uh, contacting Manu into Raimi. He's uh, struggling to get into the studio. Tell him to push the button. <laughs> uh, Never gets old. Well, he only tends to use uh, TeamSpeak with us, so he forgets how it all works. So, um, yeah, he, he was. I sent him the server address and he was trying to click on it, but it wasn't, of course, recognizing it and working. So. I wonder if we should set up like a Discord thing for interviews and stuff. The problem, the, show. <laughs> the problem with Discord is it's got no recording facility. I don't know how my bot works. <laughs> That's the thing. You can't have multiple instances either. So. Oh, damn. So, yeah discord would be good otherwise so but yeah lakesian chat says the layout changes are mostly good though i don't appreciate the new faction store look as it requires more scrolling yeah they've added a lot more stuff to there now um data android says it's more of a casino than a crew management system (laughs) he's not far wrong if 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 by that you consider the um the crew to be the free drinks. There you go. So, well, that's now it for Star, Trek, for Star Trek Timelines. And we now have our guest here. Welcome back, Manu. Hey, guys. What's up? Hello. Are you hey. tired? 
Hello to you too. I am. <laughs> well, we have. <laughs> well, now I've got some bumpers. We may as well play the interview one. I've got some bumpers myself. Interview. Ah, you can hear all of those just assimilated fans, can't you? (laughs) Oh, that was a lovely bumper. Yeah, (laughs) finally, after years, I finally got round to getting those um, arranged. Is one of the things when I took over the show, it's like, okay, new segments, need to create bumpers. And yeah, just didn't get around to it for years. So finally got them sorted um, about a few months ago now, I think it was. So I'm glad you did. I love it. I mean, I think that's one of the funnest parts of radio is uh, the, you know, bumpers and little fun little noises and quotes that you can put in here, there, and everywhere. And I think that's what makes radio fun the little zingers uh i always think of that guy uh, uh <laughs> he doesn't ever do them but uh yeah i guess he kind of does um the famous alan partridge yeah i know who you mean i um, i've never particularly liked his stuff to be honest so i never watched it <laughs> no it's terrible but it's 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 terrible on purpose <laughs> i know but i just couldn't bring myself to Go yeah, it. It's it, just it hurts your stomach to watch it because you feel so bad for it. <laughs> just watching the adverts is just like, yeah, I'm not watching that. <laughs> that guy's pretty funny, though. He's pretty funny. But yeah, it is the kind of comedy that uh, that you just like go, oh, God, that's painful. Yeah. So we last had you on in, I think it was February. So um, you were hoping to have launched the circuit in March, but you put that back, didn't you? Yeah, we moved it back one month. We felt like we didn't have... I I realized that Kickstarters are more about connecting with your fans and your friends that believe in the project on a regular basis and on, and if and if people don't feel connected to you personally and you don't have a relationship then there's no real reason that somebody's going to give you money unless you have like an A-list actor aboard at this time i think like back in the day if you had um you know a, a C-list actor aboard and it was a kickstarter project people were liable to back it but now if you don't have like Tom Cruise in your project. Um, it's more about the belief of the community. So we spent a lot more time just talking with the fans and and redeveloping the project and and getting new trailers and, and new teasers set up and new interviews set up. And um, I think it paid off. Oh, well, it's doing pretty well so far. Because um, your goal was um, fifty thousand. Yeah, the goal was 50000 and we were able to hit that with a week. And the way that we set it up in our minds for the last two uh, years, actually, were, was we didn't know what we were going to get from the Kickstarter. So we have a script that we can shoot for 50000 We have a script that we can shoot for 100 We have a script that's budgeted at 150 We have a couple of scripts that are budgeted at a quarter of a million. 
And so, you know, we, we planned for whatever the case may be. And right now, um, we've got a little over two weeks to go and we have the opportunity to do big things. So, um, yeah, I personally, um, have, uh, backed it cause, um, I'm looking forward to what you guys have got planned. Um, did you want to go through the list of actors you currently have on board? Sure, I will. What did you back it for? What did you get? Um, I can't remember now. I just did what I could afford. Uh, quickly going to Kickstarter. Um, my pledge was $39. So um, it is You've Been Posterized. So that includes Digital Club Membership Card, Digital World Premiere, Digital Download, My Name and Credits, Circuit Official Poster, and Behind the Scenes Video Updates. The, you cut out there, man. You. The cool uh, thing about the poster, I forgot to touch the button. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing about the poster is, uh, if you, especially if you uh, pledge for the poster, send your picture to, to me on Facebook or uh, at the Circuit Movie on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Monuente Reme at the com. Wherever you want to send it, just send it a picture of yourself uh, throwing up the circuit symbol, and that's the international symbol of the science fiction community. That's a, a C with your right hand, with your pinky in the air, and the, the pinky represents the antenna that connects us all around the world that, that likes science fiction and believe in it as a, uh, an art form that can better the world or at least change the world. And what we're going to do is everybody that sends in their pictures, we're going to, just like for the love of Spock did, we're going to put all of the fans, we'll, we'll make pixels out of all those uh, pictures. And if you look close enough at the poster, you'll see that you're on the poster uh, making up the larger image. Yeah, I saw that and I thought, that sounds good. So I, I went with that one. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, I mean... I don't know the the last time we spoke about it, but the circuit has changed, and it, it's it's now called the circuit Urbiesa, and I think that's partially the reason for its early success as well. Is I think people are really interested in the concept, and I, I'm certainly excited about the concept. It used to be about ten different genres that happened behind the scenes at a pop culture convention, and now it's the same actors. But it's 10 different science fiction stories that all happen in this place called Urbiesa, which is this large fictional city um, somewhere in the future. Um, and each episode will be a different subgenre of science fiction. So we're not, I think people were scared of the concept of 10 different genres, one television show. And so we decided to tell all these stories, one genre, 10 different subgenres of science fiction, and one location. So it's more of a cohesive idea. And it's an interesting idea because we'll get a different view of the city through each director's eyes, learn more about the city through each story. And also the city will be tweaked a little bit visually for each subgenre that we do. Like if you were going to shoot uh, an episode that was a sci-fi noir, you'd shoot it with blacks and grays and dark blues and silvers if you were going to do color. Whereas if you did a, a science fiction comedy 
episode, you'd have the bright yellows and teals and greens and, uh, and the different ways that you, you shoot film. So it'll be neat to see the, the city change uh, as the, the episodes change and as the directors change in the same place. I noticed in the list that compared to the last time we talked, you've got a lot more actors on board. We have, it's tough. To, we have Walter Koenig uh, from Babylon 5 and Star Trek and Chekhov. We have Ryan Agold from The Blacklist and The Blacklist Redemption. Terry Farrell, uh, Robert Beltran, Armin Shimmerman, Gigi Edgeley from Farscape. Uh, Armin Belt, uh, Shimmerman is from Deep Space Nine and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Robert Beltran's from Voyager and Eating Raul. Robert Picardo, Sylvester McCoy from The Hobbit and Doctor Who. Ethan Phillips, J.G. Hertzler, Robert O'Reilly, Corin Nemec from Stargate SG-1. Hannah Hate, who's bringing her acting career back after uh, starring as, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Molly O'Brien. Molly O'Brien, thank you. And, um, uh, the Next Generation and DS9. Rob Archer from Lost Girl and from Defiance. Jai Coutre, Mindy Robinson, Tim Russ, Olivia Diabo, Cody St. New from Teen Wolf, Doug Jones from Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth and the new Star Trek series. Miltos Yaramello from Game of Thrones, who played Silvio and Star Wars. Myself. And if we're able to accomplish $200,000, which is like another $135,000 in the next 16 days, I have two A-listers attached. Because if we make it to two hundred I've found somebody that's willing to match funds and get us into the multi-million dollar range and actually release this as a full-fledged series. But it oh, all wow. depends on me coming up with 200K to begin with. That's impressive. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty gut-wrenching. It's, but I have to be humble and excited either way because we've hit our goal. The very worst that's going to happen is we get to shoot our first episode and show people a little bit of what RBS is going to look like and what the, the, um, the, the series is going to look like. And, um, Either way, whether we make it uh, into the huge thing right off the bat that it should be, um, or we don't, uh, it's still very exciting. Now, you've been doing a lot of stuff over social media, I've noticed, um, for this project. Um, you've been very active. Um, you're actually doing, by the looks things, daily live streams as well. Yeah, usually I tune in at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on At The Circuit Movie at the... Um, Facebook page, uh, Facebook Live, and also some fans approached me with this idea called the Circuit Challenge, which is everybody out there is in a Facebook fan club of some kind that is into science fiction, is into Star Trek, is into uh, all these different shows, whether they're fantasy, etc. Um, and there's millions of us out there. And everybody on Kickstarter always talks about what if everybody just sat down and donated a dollar? We could fund all these amazing shows, but nobody ever does it. And this guy named Bill Morgan from 12 Fleet Games, which is a Star Trek online group on Facebook. Yeah. Hi, Bill. Yeah, he um, started this show called We Are the Circuit Live, which was today from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
and he's going to do it next uh, Saturday and the following Saturday, the 13th and the 20th. And on the 20th, we're going to kick off the circuit challenge. And today we had Armin Shimmerman come on his show. We had uh, Gigi Edgley. We had Hannah Hate. We had myself. Uh, Walter Canning was going to come on, but he couldn't make it. He went, ended up going to Texas. Um, but each week we're going to do this live show. And, uh, uh, and I say we, because it's not, it's not me. It's, it's, we are the circuit live. It's the fans. He, I didn't set this up. He set it up. Um, he asked me permission and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And so I appear on it and I called some actors to appear on it. And today was the first day and it was really fun. And we announced a bunch of new perks and a bunch of, uh, ways to get involved and it's just been a real I'm babbling because I'm excited but it's been <laughs> and tired it's just been a real treat and tired <laughs> but it's been a treat to to get to know the fan base uh, way better than I knew them before and get to meet all these people that are passionate about the project and today on the on on we are the circuit live like 40 fans made videos about why they support the circuit and sent them in and told their story about why they're passionate about bringing back conscious intellectual morality plays uh, in science fiction back to big budget science fiction TV. And that's what the circuit's all about. It's about bringing back, you know, the, the Roddenberry-esque ethics back to to science fiction and it's also about fan collaboration with film professionals and getting together and trying to make uh you know the circuit urbiesa big as uh, westworld or game of thrones and do it together and do it as a science fiction family and shoot for the stars you know now you mentioned that you changed it the original idea from when we last talked to you in february to um, when you launched to the circuit Urbiesa. How did you come up with that idea? Um, where did that actually come from? Well, when we... Originally, this was always going to be a, a behind-the-scenes-of-a-convention movie, but then Con Man beat us to it. And, and Con Man was way too similar to the circuit. And so we thought, how could we change things and make it different is there room for two shows about actors behind the scenes at a convention and so that that's when we changed it to multiple genres but that wasn't enough and it was a you know fans didn't quite understand what the show was going to be and so i always thought i always was i've always been a fan of um anthology series but I also liked the idea when I was watching Judge Dredd a few months ago, or about it, almost a year ago. Uh, Is that the a, newer one or the original one? The newer one with uh, um, the Star Trek. Oh. I have to admit, the newer one is like leagues better than the, <laughs> the, the 80s one, although the 80s one is so typically 80s. It is such a great 80s. No, Carl Urban was really good in that. Yeah, he was really good. And I liked the idea of a mega city. And so we started talking to some of the writers and directors involved. And, 
you know, our mega city of Urbiesa is not like the mega city in Judge Dredd where everything's messed up and everybody's on drugs and it's just hellacious and horrible. Urbiesa is more of a utopian place where, you know, the future is a better place. Um, not to say that, that we fixed everything. Um, we're still going to take a look at, you know, who we are as a culture and as a society and as a people and, and what we need to do better. But Urbiesa is huge. It's got national parks fit within its borders. It's, it's massive. And so anything can happen there. And I thought that would also be an easier way for writers who wanted to write screenplays and submit their screenplays uh, to this anthology to have free reign on what kind of stories they wanted to tell. And that was basically, it solved two problems at once. It was like, we can tell all our stories in this giant mega city and still give people the option so they're not restricted to, you know, a convention hotel room, you know? Yeah. But yeah, because the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, what's the extra bit for? <laughs> um, so... Yeah, sort of it made me go back and have a look to see what you guys were doing with that. But, um, yeah, I've noticed you you've got... At the, yeah, you've pledged, so you've looked at the Kickstarter page. Yeah. It's pretty cool looking, huh? Yeah, I do like all the artwork that you've got. Um, who is it who's done all that for you? Well, that's the awesome thing about the circuit. It's it's actually starting to happen, and it's starting to morph and be real. Um uh, maybe last year at Star Trek uh, Las Vegas, I met a man named Mike McCusker who was with his uh, kid. His kid was 29, but he, uh, Mike's like 50. <laughs> um, and he just said, hey, man, I really like the circuit. I really like what you're doing. Can I, can I help out? And I said, anybody can help out with the circuit. That's the idea. And he started you know, making artwork for us and, and making images of the city and, and uh, making ads for us. And we liked it so much and we got along so well that he just be, became part of the team and now he's an associate producer and has done uh, almost all the art for uh, the Kickstarter page and the different ads that we're putting out. Yeah, because especially some of the drawings, um, because I'm not sure if he's actually done that digitally or done it by hand and then scanned it because it actually looks like a lot of this stuff is actually hand drawn he's yeah very... he, there's a few artists that have pitched in and then he's also taken uh some of that art and then done done he's more of a, a graphic design um you know uh photoshop guy right um, but there's been a lot of fans that have uh submitted sketches and things like that too and then he plays around with those and it it's um you know, it's collaborative. Data Android in our chat says you should hire Carl Urban as major of Urbiesa. I don't think, in fact, if we hit 200 grand, there are a couple actors that are A-list that are waiting in the wings to be announced. Uh, Adam West. I won't say that Carl Urban isn't one of them. I won't say that he is either. <laughs> So if you want to find out, you need to donate. Yeah, we, we, we need people to donate. We really do. We've got 750 people basically is around the number that we need in the next 16 days. And we really do have some fun perks. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I need to pitch them myself. 
Um, but we announced a bunch of cool new ones today. What did you think of the perks in general when you looked through the perks? Did you have a look? Oh, yeah. I, the first thing that stood out to me was the references to so many movies with the names of them, um, like Combing the Desert. And <laughs> um, it, it, it made me chuckle. And then you've got um, You Can't Stop the Signal Mal. And, uh, we had a good time writing the perks. And, and I think we've, we've made some that are rather fun. Uh, we have a couple of new ones. Like um, we have a, a perk now called your picture and our picture. So if you take the most creative picture you can of yourself, like if you, if you don't have the the money or you, you don't have the, if you don't live in LA uh, and you, you don't have the airfare to get down here and be an extra, but you want to be in the film, you can take a picture of yourself and whatever you want to do. Like if you want to take a picture of yourself looking good, then one of our characters will be walking down the this this streets of Urbiesa and there it'll it's the future so there'll be big ads and like uh you know screens floating by or screens on the wall and we'll make you digitally you know in into one of those ads if you want to mess up your hair and make yourself look really grimy then we'll digitally put you into like a a newspaper or a mugshot yeah, or like a mugshot. Like a, well, <laughs> as the character walks by, the news is playing in in a mall or something, uh, and the the RBS's worst criminal uh, is is on is being looked for. That will make that you. Um, so the most cre- the more creative picture you take, the the more fun it is for us to try to get you in the movie. Um, and then if you just take a regular picture of yourself, there's a million places that we can put you in the film too. So that's kind of fun. And we only have 10 of those available, I think maybe five. I'm not sure. You said that you'd added some new perks today. Which perks were they that you've added? Uh, we also added, and it's not up on the site yet. I'll, I'll add it tonight, but it's available if you just donate, uh, $250, but we've added 10 props, signed props from, the actual shoot, the actors that use the the props w- will sign them very cheap, really, uh, two hundred and fifty bucks each, signed by the actor. That will be up tonight. You can purchase it right now uh, and just in the comment section write props. Uh, but that will be up tonight. We also added a perk called um, advertise your business in the future. There's only four of them available. They're $2,500. But if you have, if you own a store or a, a product of some kind, I, I'm so sick of watching Mercedes-Benz and Coca-Cola and Budweiser and, and all these other things show up in films. That the California thought, Raisins. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the California Raisins. <laughs> I liked the California Raisins. Um but so we only have four available for you know local type of businesses or people with cool products to uh, get them into the film. And uh, if you buy that, you can call me, and we'll figure out the the coolest way to get your your business into the film. Did and you hear in, that, in, people at Fidget Cube? Uh, did you what did you say? I said, did you hear that, people at Fidget Cube? Yeah, Fidget Cube. We can get you in there, and and. Also, we'll we'll advertise you on our Facebook page and our Twitter and our um, 
uh, web, website, etc. Twenty five hundred bucks, and there's only four available for that too. We also changed one of our perks, which was the close encounter. Have you recently had a close encounter? We're going to bring uh, a bunch of the circuit cast out on a boat that goes from Los Angeles out into the waters and, and over to Catalina. And we're going to have lunch out on the ocean, uh, hear war stories from uh, some of these young and older members of our cast. And uh, there's only four spots available on the boat. That one's a little more expensive. It's five, it's five grand. Um, but you also get tickets to the premiere that night. So after lunch in Catalina, we'll go back to L.A. and take a car to the premiere. That's kind of a cool one for people that have money to burn. I would actually want to hear Walter Koenig's Babylon 5 war stories, considering his character. <laughs> I got to tell you, I had lunch with Walter last week, sitting there chatting with Walter. If you have the, the, the time to get to do that in your life, he's one of the most... He's one of the coolest, like, kindest people I've ever met. He's got the energy of a um, Nichelle Nichols, except on the edges of him, he's got he's like a prickly pear, you know. <laughs> um, he seems like a curmudgeon-y, like uh, kind of, but he's the sweetest, uh, kindest, uh, hum- one of the more humble, um, really really cool individuals. Man, I really I've, I've be- really come to love Walter quite a bit, and. Um, I can't wait. Uh, there's some great stuff we have for him in this. So I can't wait to show the world uh, the acting talents that Walter has besides being Chekhov. Now, I noticed that one of the um, actors that you've got involved is um, another doctor. Um, you actually got Sylvester um, McCoy in is that through Robert Picardo, who's working with him in the UK for a project? No, I, I met Sylvester at the Starfleet Ball and just hit it off with him and liked him quite a bit. And then I saw him again at another convention uh, in Italy uh, later, later, about a year later. And I just liked the guy quite a bit. And I, I think he's one of the most talented actors around, you know, uh, he was so good in, in The Hobbit and and so great as Doctor Who. Uh, he's not actually a doctor. He just plays one on TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's an he's an, he's just a really funny, fun man, and um, we're we're ecstatic to have him aboard, and, and can't wait to work with him. Yeah, I was listening to um, Robert Picardo at a convention uh, last month, and you saying about how when it came to DMH's name, that he hadn't realized at the time of suggesting that he doesn't get one, that he was, of course, ripping off decades worth of Doctor Who by becoming the Doctor. <laughs> he, hadn't, he hadn't seen Doctor Who at that point? I, I can't remember if he said that he hadn't seen or he just hadn't noticed, but yeah, the fact that sort of he got known as the Doctor, um, and of course, yeah, with Doctor Who and... The Time Lord being known as the Doctor, he hadn't. That even the showrunners, of course, never put it together. And of course, <laughs> wow, that's crazy to me that not even the showrunners or the writers saw that one coming. Well, you you also have to remember at this point, this was also a time where Doctor Who 
was off the air as well. That's so it true. wasn't like in the American consciousness at all. That is true. I mean, it, yeah, I wouldn't say it wasn't in the American consciousness at all, but yeah, it wasn't prevalent. But yeah, just listening to him tell about that was uh, really funny. Because, yeah, he'd also mentioned, of course, he's got... I'm trying to think what the project's called. Um, but, yeah, he's coming out. He was doing a sort of some fundraising for that to get him over to the UK to do that project. He's doing a play with three doctors. Isn't that what that whole thing is? It's like three doctors. It's the doctor, the eighth doctor, and some other doctor. Is this the thing with Sylvester and Robert? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the play's in London? think so um it's in the uk um i'm trying to find the link to it now um go back through our show notes i've got so many of them though <laughs> that's the problem uh well it sounds great I, I that that sounds really cool i'd like to see it is it is it uh it's it's happening right as we speak i know it's happening this year um i'm just uh uh, yeah, my brain just. <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to look it up. We also, while you're looking it up, I mean, as far as people that want to pledge, we really, we we really want to hit this this mega goal of two hundred thousand. We're trying to get to the seventy five thousand dollars stretch goal right now. One of the fun things we're doing is every ten thousand dollars we raise toward the stretch goals. I have footage of every one of our actors dancing because we shot a, a dance video that I never cut together to use as a circuit ad. Um, and since I have all that footage of these icons dancing, I thought, why not use it? And so for every 10,000 we raise, I release a new dance video. So if, uh, a, a new happy dance, we call them. And uh, if you go to the Kickstarter uh, page, you can see Walter Koenig's uh, happy dance when we hit our fifty thousand dollar goal. Then at sixty thousand, we released Tim Russ's happy dance, and at seventy five k, we're doing a two for one. We're we're, we're going to release Cody Saint New and Mindy Robinson's happy dance. <laughs> yeah, the it's called a joke by Dan Freeman, and it's starring Sylvester McCoy and Robert Picardo, and it's in Edinburgh. Um, so. Sounds great, man. So, yeah, he's got, um, yeah, it's in Edinburgh and then it's in Cheshire as well. Um, so, yeah, um, so yeah, he was uh, talking about um, Doctor Who and that at that point. So, when I saw that you'd added that name, so I thought, oh, I wonder if that came from them on this project. Um, no, not fair. And in fact, you know, my jealous side, those guys should have invited me over there to do that play with them. <laughs> Although, I, I honestly, I would be losing my mind if I were. It's, it, running a, 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 a Kickstarter is an incredibly uh, time-consuming uh, thing. It's, it's, an, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's, but it's also, wow, is it exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So how many people have actually been helping you with the Kickstarter itself? Well, unfortunately, because my team of um, 
production people in the circuit are all such great professionals. Uh, you know, Mike Phillips and Jason Newfield and Tim Gagliardo and James Bird and Ryan Agold are all off making multi-million dollar films at the moment. Uh, so nobody is available to help me. It's me. It's Valerie Leslie. We brought on Ryan Husk to help us with social media because he knows uh, the scene well. Uh, he, he's worked on and helped the Renegades campaign and helped us out on Fifth Passenger. Um, That's fine. But really, it's just us. And then I am rounding up my actors. And we're just this week, we started having actors' appearances and uh, having actors tweet and, and show up live for us. And um, that's basically the team at the moment. Uh, Mike McCusker is, is making art for us. Um, and all the fans are pitching in. If it weren't for the fans, honestly, uh, we wouldn't be doing as well as we are. There's so many fans, including Bill Morgan and, and his 12th fleet and, uh, squad. And, uh, and their idea to, to do the, the circuit challenge is as kicked in and people are actually participating already with week one. Um, so the whole idea of the circuit challenge is there's millions of us in these Facebook fan clubs. So May 20th, we're going to kick it off and we're going to see if, you know, admins tell your members, members tell your admins. If you care about conscious science fiction, donate to the circuit. This project isn't cliche. This isn't a, uh, you know, a, a pitch game. This isn't a huckster, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, Donald Trump type of crap. This is a really wonderful project that has so much potential, um, to do good in the world, to inspire people, to tell stories that, that touch our hearts and blow our minds. It's the right project to support. If you care about science fiction, who else, but the science fiction family could get together like this and actually sit down and donate $1 by the hundreds of thousands. I think it's possible, and I hope everybody participates on May 20th, especially uh, coming from the fans. Uh, th that would be mind-blowing. We, we would make international news, and what would be so cool about it w is we would change the way that films are financed you know, altogether. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if hundreds of thousands of people sat down and said, yes, we want to see this, we would be completely funded. Um, all the top magazines would cover it. And then, you know, it would really become what crowdfunding could have been, which is a democratic way in, into like giving the people an, an opportunity to see the kind of shows they want to see instead of, you know, the debacle of a couple of years ago where filmmakers were ripping off the fan base and not producing good material or not producing material at all. Um, you know, that pissed me off. That made me angry. And that that's why we did Fifth Passenger, which, by the way, is four weeks away from being finished. Maybe five. Awesome. So awesome. It looks so good. We're so proud of it. We can't wait to show it to the public. Um, and thank you guys for supporting fifth passenger. I know a couple of you guys did. Yeah. Um, 
and it looks wonderful and, and we're about to be able to share it with with the universe so uh that's really exciting too yeah i've seen some of the um screen grabs they've done from with all the visual effects it's looking really really good yeah it's awesome and um uh not that Tobias Richter is cheap at all from Lightworks Effects. Um, we did have to pay him some money to to uh, make our film as beautiful as it is. But big thank you to him for the work that he's done uh, because, wow, did he make our movie look amazing. Um, and uh, thank you to uh, Morgan Loria and Scotty Baker, uh, my partners, and... Morgan, Lariah, and Scotty created the script, and they're the co-creators of the project. Um, and Morgan went out there after the fans sparked this thing and was able to raise significantly more money than um, we raised on the Kickstarter many times over to make this movie as beautiful as it is. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm really excited. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I've been excited about that film. Um, well, since you guys started sort of talking about it, because we, of course, had you back on the sh show all the way back then. And, yeah, just the little clip that you guys did for the little YouTube thing as well for as a little demonstration of what you wanted to do. Um, yeah, that got my interest straight away. And it's going to repair, you know, it's going to take time, but it's going to, re it's going to be the first step in, a, and there's a, a, a few movies. It's not like it's just us. You know, Laser Team was a phenomenal, fun movie uh, that was crowdfunded uh, in the sci-fi universe. But hopefully it'll start building that bridge of uh, trust between crowdfunding backers and filmmakers um, because, uh we made a really good movie for you guys that, that supported it. And, uh, I can't, I just can't wait. We're, we're so close. It's, uh, I can taste it. So it's really fun. <laughs> now, not everyone can always donate even a small amount. So if people cannot donate, how else can they help you? If you can't donate to the project, um, the, the lowest donation that we have is combing the desert. Uh, we ain't found Oh, never mind. A buck. Nice. Um, if you can't donate uh, a dollar, what you should do is you sh – and if you're interested in the project, if you believe in the project, there's so many ways you can help out. First and foremost is to share our Kickstarter page on your personal social media pages, on your Facebooks, your Twitters, your Instagram. Go ahead and steal anything from us that you want, our videos, our pictures, our memes that are out there. If you want to contact me personally and pitch in, you can write me at manuentereme at thecircuitfilm.com. I can, if you want to post videos of us, uh, some of our videos yourself, uh, I can give you access to them on our Google Drive or send them to you. Uh, access to our art, uh, if you want to get the information out there. Uh, we're all about sharing. If you want to, if you want to plug into the project and start doing whatever kind of art it is that you do for the circuit, write me, show me what you've, what you do and uh, plug in. You don't have to, to you don't have to pledge to be a part of this thing. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with us and our listeners? Yeah. Um, 
Definitely. Um, it always helps us if you go to at the circuit movie and like the page, the more likes we have, the better. Um, we've been really behind the eight ball on getting our, uh, YouTube page up. So even though thousands and thousands of people have seen our trailers and seen our ads on Facebook and Twitter, uh, and Instagram, almost nobody has seen any of our videos on our YouTube channel. So it would really be helpful if people went and to at the circuit movie or just the circuit movie on YouTube and, uh, subscribe to the channel and watch some of those videos because a lot of times in, in crowdfunding, I can have hundreds of thousands of people watching our stuff, listening to our stuff, seeing our stuff, but then they go to YouTube and they see that we don't have any hits and then they think that we're not a legitimate project. And it's a mistake to think that because we're doing rather well and a lot of people know about what we're doing. We've got a great project. So if, if you really want to help us, go to the YouTube channel and watch some of those videos and share some of those videos on your Twitter and on your Facebook and et cetera. Um, that would really, really help us uh, get some more legitimacy um, in people's minds out there in the world. The amount of tongue holding is off the fucking charts right now. Tongue holding? Yeah. What happened? Uh, you're considered not legitimate because you don't have enough Facebook lights. Meanwhile, this guy on the other side who defrauded a whole bunch of people because of the word Star Trek and is still seen as legitimate. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the other thing I wanted to say. Here's... I, I don't have anything against Star Trek. In fact, I participated in Star Trek Renegades. Um, I'm proud of the work we did there. I'm proud of the work that I did with Walter. And um, it was really nice to be a part of that project. Um, but it would be really amazing to me if the fan base who loves these actors, who realizes that, loves the talent, knows that we have an incredible, pe incredible people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. This is a brand new concept. It doesn't have Star Trek stamped on it. It doesn't have Star Wars stamped on it. It doesn't have Ghostbusters stamped on it. It's not, it's not something, it's not a, it's not a remake of something, of some franchise that's already been out there. But it is produced by professionals, and it is produced by people that have been working in this industry, making incredible films, including Star Wars Rogue One and Iron Man and What Dreams May Come and the Disney's Planes franchise and uh, the recent film uh, you're going to love this year, um, literally right before Aaron. These guys are top-notch professionals this is the third film I've produced, not film, sorry, series that I've produced, um, but the third filmed entertainment project that I've produced. Get behind something new. Let's make something new together. Let's, let's, let's like try to bring some new awesome science fiction to the world instead of um, not knockoffs because I've liked a lot of what they've done with the, the Star Trek fan films, but especially because of the rules that have been laid down now about Trek fan films and Star Wars fan films, let's get together and make something new. Uh, and unlike some people in the history of crowdfunding, no one's getting rich off this. 
what we're doing here is we're giving, if we get fully funded, we're giving hundreds of fans an opportunity to come down, get their foot in the door, get to live the dream, get to be on set of a big budget uh, sci-fi series, get to see what that's like, uh, talk to some of the people that you might, uh, uh, I don't want to call them heroes because these I, I love all these people. They're my... I look up to them, um, uh, and and we want to do something special here, and and it, and it's brand new, and that's the hard thing is getting people to, you know, jump on board something that's that doesn't have that official uh, corporate seal. Um, that you know, it's easy to get somebody to contribute for Star Trek, um, but it's not so easy to get somebody to contribute for the Circuit Urbiesa. Even though I promise you, we won't let you down. I won't let you down. We're here to make good quality entertainment. We're not here to buy cars or um, eat steak dinners. <laughs> well, as I said, I've already pledged because um, I'm looking forward to what you guys are planning to do. And I'm glad that you've met your goal. And fingers crossed you get to hit some of your um, extra goals that you've got. Thank you. And um, people can look forward to uh, within a, you know, all it takes is one person coming on as an executive producer to get us there this evening. Um, can I announce it? Are you guys live? We are yeah, live. We're, we're live. live on Facebook and YouTube. Unfortunately, our Twitch channel decided to not work today. So, yeah. Okay. So can I announce a few things that we announced on the live feed today for our perks because they're only available till midnight tonight, Pacific Standard Time? Sure. Uh, the first 10 people who buy the $350 It's a Trap perk the Admiral Lackbar It's a Trap perk, will get a, a Skype phone call or a, a Skype call or a surprise phone call from one of our cast. The first 10 people uh, that get anything $300 or greater will get a fully signed cast poster from the circuit, which is quite a deal because if you look at some of the Kickstarter campaigns for other things, the signed poster by the cast has gone for, you know, th thousands of dollars to a thousand dollars and up. And we're just going to throw that in for the first 10 people that get $300 or greater before midnight. We're only going to be making 10 of them. Uh, the first person that buys advertise in Urbiesa before midnight tonight uh, will get to call me personally and talk about how they want to get their product into the film and we'll think of the best, most creative way to do it. Um, the first five people that donate $500 or more will get the, uh, the poster I spoke of earlier, the cast sign poster, but they will get it personalized or it will come with a personal letter and official note from the cast. Uh, the last thing was, if you pledge $100 or more by midnight tonight, when we hit 75K, we will be giving everybody that pledged $35 or more a free signed pin, official circuit pin. And we'll also be um, 
sending everybody uh, a long blooper reel from the 10 different shoots that we did uh, making the trailers and videos for the circuit. They're, it's hilarious, priceless stuff. The backers will get sent that. But if you pledge $100 or more by midnight tonight, you, your pin will be signed by one of the cast members. And so that was a lot of stuff that we announced today. But I thought since you were live, I might as well announce it again because that goes all the way till midnight tonight. And that's Pacific time, yeah? Yes, Pacific Standard Time. Cool. So, hopefully you'll get people taking those up. Yeah, and if they don't, you know, we've got a lot of live feeds coming up. And stay tuned to the Circuit Kickstarter page. Stay tuned to At The Circuit Movie on uh, the Facebook. And I've been running a lot of and announcing a lot of what's going on on my personal page, at MonumenteReme123. And at my personal page, which you can follow, I actually have a few spots left to uh, accept friend requests at as well. Um, but you can follow us at, at the Circuit Movie on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook to keep up with everything that's going on. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us once again. It's always uh, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry that uh, we did this uh, an hour late. I forgot that we were doing that live thing today with uh, Bill Morgan and his crew. Um, all we did was talk about the circuit. Did, what, did, what were you guys chatting about something else before I came on? <laughs> um, we were going through um, the news from Star Trek Timelines. Um, and we're just discussing um, the revamp to the UI because they've just gone to version 2. So I'm not sure if you play mobile games. I haven't played Timelines. Um, I, I, I promised that I would play Star Trek Online, and I, I, I don't have it myself, but I've played it. That's told, what we'll be talking about next, actually. I told the people at Star Trek Online that I wasn't going to start playing until they made each of stop walking around mm. on K7 bumping into things. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him walk around and bump into things. Although you have seen him at a bar for an... An ordinantly large amount of time. That's just wrong. Each of <laughs> is always standing by the bar. And what's even more hilarious is the the science department or the medical department is right next to that bar and lounge. Will somebody please give Star Trek Online a hard time? They have been promising me for years now that they're going to do something with each ebb and seven and um, some kind of Borg storyline. And I have been waiting, looking at my watch. I, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic game. And those guys do an, uh, an amazing job. So I, I'm just doing because I'd love to be a part of it instead of standing by the bar waiting for a drink that I never drink. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Hopefully, with the devs, listen, um, they might give you a call. Uh, yeah, what are you? Uh, what are you guys chatting about regarding Star Trek Online? What's happening? Well, um, we've got some news coming out with rewards and um, patch notes. Um, been a bit of a quiet week this week um, on their front, but um, that's because uh, season thirteen just dropped last week, so we ended up talking for quite a while about all the new features and stuff. So. Um, it usually gets a bit quiet, so we've got a little bit of that to go through, and then we've got two weeks' worth of feedback to go through afterwards. 
Sorry. Which is the game that has V'ger as like a the, a Borg ship? Um, Star Trek Online does have um, a Borg ship that looks a bit like V'ger. Um It's basically like a Borg dreadnought thing. Yeah, there's um, a mission that you could do where that was the end boss. A um, friend of mine always called it the Borg tampon. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it certainly looks like that. I mean, and it even spits out the plasma balls that if the plasma ball touches you, it instantly vaporizes you like the V'ger thing did. Yeah, okay, so they're playing around with that. That's kind of cool. I kind of like it. Oh, yeah, no, there's been talks like forever. Should we actually bring back V'ger? And if we did bring back V'ger, it would be this huge monstrous thing that would be its own, like, huge citadel battle zone thing if we did bring it back. It's like, okay, why would you do that? It's like, if V'ger actually ever came back, V'ger would have, like, all the knowledge of some other place and would try be, would probably be trying to share it. Why, yeah. why would you instantly think that V'ger would be a bad guy? I don't know. People like the bad guy thing. He certainly wouldn't. She, it, he... Yeah, Data Android in chat says could make the battle zone inside Vija. So it, well, Vija would be the location rather than the enemy. That's cool. It's kind of like the Dyson Sphere. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, they could do all sorts of things with Vija. But we've still got a lot of the Delta Quadrant to explore because, of course, they did expand into there. Um, when, Thank you, Dyson Sphere. Uh, and Iconian <laughs> Gateways. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, plus we've also got the Gamma Quadrant to do at some point. Yeah, they've got a lot. They've got a million different places they could go. But uh, I sure that I, sh- I just would like to get out of that bar. <laughs> so where do you think Egypt should be? I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of uh, a, a Borg storyline, and I I always thought that you know, I always thought that he would come back and he. He had a, a virus in his bloodstream that was bred to kill Borg. That that would be definitely something that would be uh, looked at. And I always thought that he would join Starfleet. And because of his 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 intelligence and his integrity and etc., that he would rise very quickly. And um, at this age, I don't know how fast uh, half Borg Brunali age. Um, but he would be doing you know something of some importance for Starfleet. Um, and it would just be neat to go back and, and play the character as he was instead of, um, uh, the, the changed each that, uh, that I got to play in Renegades. It would be neat to go back and, and play him, uh, just older, but still the, the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. They've sort of stepped away from the Borg storyline a bit in recent years, but, um, yeah, I suppose, the Borg are still in the game. So it, I know there's been talk because there's the Defari um, Borg invasion area. They they have talked about redoing that area. So that could be something if they were to do that where they could bring Icheb in. Yeah, who doesn't like the Borg? And, and that's I think that's where Icheb would be definitely trying to... Uh, 
if he was going to take on anybody and, and try to change something, he would try to, to fight the Borg. I think that's what he was born for. Plus, if they are expanding out more into the Delta Quadrant, they could always go back to Echeb's home planet as well. Yeah, that would be neat. And then we could even get uh, good old uh, Mark uh, back into the game too. <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere else these days. I'm trying to think. Um, Mark Shepard. Yeah, um, was it supernatural? Isn't it? Yeah. He. Oh, I see him everywhere, man. I I can't seem to turn on the TV without seeing him on something. <laughs> yeah, because he's been in Supernatural. He's been in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he seems to be on most things, doesn't he? So if I remember first seeing him, I think the first thing I remember seeing him in was um, X Files. Yeah, X Files as well. Uh, good actor, nice guy too. I only worked with him for two weeks, but uh, good actor and nice guy. I figured for some reason that I'd see more of him, and I, I never saw him again. But yeah, there's been a lot of TV that I watched that he's been in because, of course, he was in Firefly. Um, I think he actually appeared in Charmed. Um, where else have I seen him in? I think he was in Twenty Four at one point. Yeah, I did an episode of Twenty Four too. Um, the Oh, what was it? Oh, oh, when he was on, uh, I don't know if he, I guess he still is on Supernatural. I don't know. I don't keep up with it. But for two years there, I knew the guy that was um, overseeing that show and a couple of other shows over there. And uh, I, at one point, I, I swore I had a, a reoccurring role, but it just didn't go my way. That's a shame. That's okay. That's what Hollywood's all about. It's 10,000 no's and then you get that one yes that makes your whole life change. Because, yeah, he, he plays Crowley. Um, and I suppose, actually, it would have probably been really funny. There was um, a couple of episodes where his son um, appears in it. Um, Crowley has a son. And it would have actually been funny if you were brought in for that role. Because, of course, then for anyone who sci-fi fans... It would have been a callback to Voyager where you played his son. Yeah, that would have been cool. If I would have been more on top of it, I would have uh, I would have mentioned that. <laughs> I, d- I don't think at that point because that was a sort of quite a sort of late reveal about him having a son because I think his son originally died because his wife in supernatural is a powerful witch and is still alive even though it's been hundreds of years but his son died on a ship and then got brought back because of certain things so um i think that was only a couple of years ago so i don't know how long ago the discussions you you had with the runners of the show it's 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 okay midnight you can say it his son was brought back to life by Magic. <laughs> magic. I watch stuff with magic in. Um, well, I'm sorry also that uh, t- today uh, you just happened to get the boot for We Are the Circuit Live because I wanted to get as many of my cast members as I could to uh, appear on that show for those guys to get the, the word out about the circuit. And... Um, so you, I, I had like a f- five of my cast members and, and one that didn't show, 
but uh, they all did an appearance on that show, and then it was it was way too much to ask them then to jump over here and do this one too. Oh, that's fine. One of these days, though, uh, down the road, we'll definitely get a, a couple more people to join me, and 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 uh, we'll give you an update with with a couple of uh, different people besides just me and Val. Yeah, oh, that'll be good. Cause yeah, um, was it last time or the time before um, you brought Gigi Edgley along with you? Um, so that was fun catching up with her. Yeah, she was a blast today. She was just sitting in her bed, and it, 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 her bed looked like um, uh, like a like an eighteen year old college kid. She had like uh, <laughs> unicorns and and stuffed animals, and she was bouncing up and down on her bed. It was funny. It was cute. Does anybody else, when they now hear the word unicorn, only think of um, Deadpool? Mm, no. <laughs> okay, just thankfully. I, I didn't mean, unless you you're said an American, it. and then, <laughs> then you're probably thinking of a Starbucks drink. Which also, thankfully, no, I don't. But no, whenever somebody mentions unicorn these days, I can only think of Deadpool. It just makes me chuckle. <laughs> that was a, Deadpool's it, pretty cool. It was a wonderful movie. Can't wait uh, for two. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it looks so good. Um, I'm looking forward to the second one. Actually, I think I think Deadpool's actually supposed to be in Infinity War as well. Fun. I've got to get myself into the Marvel franchise somehow. Uh, lots of cool things are happening for me, too. Uh, I've got a, a movie coming up called... Um... Oh, shoot. No. All these films that I just did, I can't even say yet. That'll be next time, too. But I, I've been working a lot lately, and a lot of good things have been happening. So I'll just Those damn NDAs! <laughs> and thank you guys for, for having me on again. And it's always a pleasure chatting with you guys. And um, I'm actually going to get a break right now and eat some food uh, before I do another interview. All right. Well, as I said, you're always welcome. Thank you, guys, and, and thanks for helping me get the word out about the circuit. I appreciate it. Um, for those of you that haven't pledged uh, on the show, I don't know what's taken you. Um, uh, what's going on there? I think the one um, live broadcast that um, I did manage to catch, because um, thought being so far ahead in the hours, um, yeah, I managed to catch one of them. I think you were actually calling out people going, I don't recognize you because they're sort of, they've liked the, the page, but they haven't been on uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> like, going. wait a second. You're a part of the diehard circuit fan group, but you haven't even pledged a dollar yet. <laughs> What's up, Steve, Joe? <laughs> so, yeah, it was just funny sort of tuning in and you read out all these names. I'm thinking, oh, what's happened? And it's just like, have you pledged? You're in this group. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know what's it's um what's what's funny is like and it's just typical human nature, but like I I was online and I had 2500 people that wrote me and said, "Hey, I can't wait for the circuit. Uh I can't wait to pledge. Uh put me on your put, you know, and uh, I I whether I started the conversation or not, but it ended with, yeah, put me on the, on the list. Send me, I can't wait to pledge as soon as it launches. Let me know 2,500 people and 660 people have pledged so far, which is fine. I'm happy. We're doing great. At the same time, I'm like, 
I keep hassling all the rest of them. I'm like, okay, so it's been two weeks. Uh, when's that pledge coming? <laughs> it's lemon pledge, by the way. Oh, they meant lemon wedge, not not uh, not money pledge. No, 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 no. Lemon pledge. They're going to clean your floors. Ah, yeah. I was wondering why my floors look so clean around this place. These must have been the interdimensionals. Oh, yeah. And don't forget the, the, the aliens that abduct people, too. Have you pledged? I, I no. And, and why not? <laughs> uh, because I don't have the funds to. Like literally everything that I that that is that is here goes into surviving here. Just go comb the desert. I would if I had a dollar. I don't have a dollar. That's all right. I I feel you. It's tough out there these days. Um, oh yeah, there's like a lot of crap going on, and now like we're paying even more because we have to actually have like hundreds of dollars worth of health insurance and even that's like on a slippery slope at this point yeah i feel you i'm in the same boat um paying for insurance right now that i don't even know if it's gonna work when i go to the doctor tonight we'll see yep going to the doctor oh, I hope you're okay he's got oh, plants looked at I, actually i got uh Two days ago, um, I was driving back with a coffee at about 11.15 p.m. I was in a left-hand turn lane to go back to my house. And I was getting the coffee to stay up late to start talking to the English crowd and the, 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 the European crowd and the Germans and say, why haven't you pledged and why haven't you pledged? And um, I was in the left-hand turn lane and some drunk lady just rear-ended the back of my car going, I don't oh, no. know how fast she was going, and then careened around the side of it, kind of spun me around, and then tried to run. And so I chased her for like 45 minutes, and I got on my cell phone and called the police and was like, I'm passing uh, sunset, and, and now she's taking a left on, and I just kept up with her until they got the chopper overhead. And it was like totally a scene from a movie. It was a whole lot of fun until they caught her. And then I realized that I had a little twinge in my neck and I thought I was fine. And then uh, the next morning, oh, I'm not fine. My neck is whiplashed. And um, so I'm going to the oh, doctor no. to get uh, some, what's it called, done? Some uh, physical therapy. Oh, well, at least you didn't spill the coffee. I didn't spill the coffee. It was in the cup holder, thank God. <laughs> Because <laughs> then you would have birds to go with that that whiplash, and I'd much rather have a hot cup of coffee than a neck. Uh, okay, take it out of context. That sounds wrong. <laughs> I'd much rather have a coffee than a neck. Yeah, everything uh, I say taken out of context sounds wrong. This sentence is false. Touch the button. Make um. it a muffin button. Naked muffin button. <laughs> like a scene in like a coffee shop for for the circuit, and somebody who really wants them really wants a muffin goes push the muffin button. Muffin button, please. Oh, what did I used to say? We used to have a oh oh that, that wouldn't be right for this show. See that that's what happens. Wait wait, what do you mean wouldn't be right for this show? I thought this show was uh, uh, censored or something. No. Bye. 
<laughs> if it is, you've sworn an awful lot on all the previous episodes. <laughs> no, we have an adult rating for a reason. Well, I used to have uh, a joke with my ex-girlfriend always that there was a, a, bl- a blowjob button um, uh, somewhere in the house. It's and the staples button. That was easy. We would, like, <laughs> we would always joke. We would be like, uh, I think I'll have some cheesecake and uh, then I'll have a, a cigarette and then I'll hit the blowjob button. <laughs> Did that ever actually work? Uh, well, unfortunately, we didn't have uh, a button. Um, but if we had one, I'm sure it would have worked great. <laughs> Depending on who pressed it. I would wake up in the morning and, and I wouldn't even have gotten out of bed yet. And I would roll over and wake her up and I would just say, um, um, blowjob button, please. <laughs> Could you imagine the, the amount of times she would have done that to you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I would have been, I, I would have uh, done the deed. <laughs> you have to say it like a, st- a stuffy old person too. It's a, um, I think I'll hit the blowjob button, please. What What do you feel like doing the day? Um, I'm just going to stay home and hit the blowjob button. Back in my day, we didn't have no blowjob buttons. We had to go 15 miles uphill both ways to find our own blowjobs. Uh, uh, I'm just thinking hmm titles for the show for this week (laughs) might guess a different type of crowd we didn't have blowjob buttons we had we had kick you and then balls buttons Uh, (laughs) I Anyway, Look, we've, almost, we've almost got Steve crying. There was no such thing as a button of any kind. We didn't even have blowjobs back then. We just had butts. No buttons, just butts. Stinky, stinky butts. And it gets from licking them every once in a while, though. Well, that's true, but old man Jenkins, he's the one, thankfully, that Finally invented the blowjob button. (laughs) (laughs) That's where all the licking came from, you see. He stored it all in a button, which he named Blowjob. And that is the story of the blowjob button. Next week on... Next week on Masterpiece Theatre. We will discuss... Well, you may go get yourself something to eat and go see the doctor. I'd rather hit them, thank you. Well, it's certainly enough protein. <laughs> All right, that's about <laughs> enough. <now>. <laughs> <laughs> nice there was a line you. there, and I just decided I wanted to cross it. Oh, it was fantastic, crossing of the line. I love crossing of the line. There's nothing better than crossing of the line except for an actual blowjob button. Um, I love you guys. I will eat. I will see the doctor. And... Uh, you go find yourself a dollar or a blowjob button to pledge to the circuit. I shall catch you later. Bye-bye, guys. Okay. See you later. Thanks. Farewell. Bye. Bye-bye. So, that was Manu into Raimi. So, this is the project called The Circuit, and you can go to kickstarter.com, and you can get all the information there, and the link will be in our show notes.
The problem is, every time I try to leave the show, I cannot find the button. <laughs> it's the red cross <laughs> at the top right. <laughs> Unless oh, it's on Mac. Thank you very much. Take care. Okay. So, now it's time to go on to some Star Trek Online news. Okay, so, Star Trek Online. It's just for the PC. We are now on week two rewards for the featured episode Mirrors and Smoke. So that will be going until the 10th of May. We have an item upgrade weekend that has entered the calendar for the 11th to the 15th. So that will be next weekend. And the weekend after, we have got a bonus marks weekend. Now, as mentioned, Mirrors and Smoke Week 2 reward is the Kantari mass-produced missile launcher. Best non-plasma torpedo ever. I mean, honestly. I haven't actually been in-game since Wednesday, apart from today, to quickly just check the calendar. So, um... Yeah, I haven't a, actually played the mission again to get that yet. I think it's it's either four or five second cooldown before it launches another volley, because mass-produced. Um, yes, it does mostly kinetic damage, but it has a it has a radiation damage over time of like a thousand damage for three seconds. Uh, so, data, yeah. Data Android says, nah, old good quantums are the best. Four second cooldown. You know what the cooldown is for the new missile launcher? Uh, it's. I want to say it's, it's between four and five seconds, and it's even shorter if you have law, because law affects this thing. Oh, this thing is also affected by high yield and scatter volley too. So you're not doing the whole. Hey, I have this. Um, I have this anti uh, doomsday torpedo, the Harg Pang, that does a whole bunch of radiation damage because I don't want any plasmas, but it takes forever to cool down and fire another shot. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, um, you can get oh, this week. that's that's it too. It's also a it's also a beam for a torpedo. It has a one hundred and eighty degree firing arc. That's cool. Um, so yeah, as well as the missile launcher that you can now get, and that's on top of the combat armor from last week. Um, so if you haven't got them, you can play it twice to get both of them. Um, you can go, you can get, you can get a reward box which will contain a, either a tech upgrade or um, a specialization point. So um, yeah, you can get in and play the featured episodes for those extra rewards as well. So, PC patch notes on May the 4th. So, on Star Wars Day, we had an update which gave us Twin Tribulations. So this was the war game scenario that we, um, I mentioned last week because I hadn't realized that that one wasn't out yet. So, and because I haven't been in game, I haven't actually had a chance to try it. So this is the new queue, which is the new um, 
PvE war game where it's got a PvP aspect to it. So it's a team of five versus five. So this is a gauntlet-style match where two teams of players race each other to a finish line, solving puzzles and defending enemies. And, of course, you get war game marks um, for that as well. Basically, Twin Trips is the space version of Binary Circuit. And, uh, Timberwolf said that this was actually going to be played more than Coruscant. Because apparently Coruscant actually has a PvP thing at the end where you're fighting the other team. I don't know, because I've not played it. Mostly because I kind of don't care about the PvEVP stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing that. I, as I said last week, I only had a chance to play the ground one once, in which I got disconnected, so I never got a chance to play it properly. But, uh, yeah... Uh, I'm looking forward to playing that one. So, Keith, have you had a chance to play it all? Because I know you've been busy shifting was, all your stuff. I was, I was, the only one that I've played has been um, uh, Binary Circuit. And that's because things that probably shouldn't be there are there. And I'm not going to say much more than that. Because if Cryptic doesn't already know about it, it's not my place to tell them. Okay. Wow, so cryptic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk about don't give nothing away. Oh no! I, I, at this point, at this point, cryptic knows what they're doing. Like th- they are intentionally doing stuff this way. So okay, if this is a th- if this is a thing that's meant to be there, okay, cool. If it's not, I'm not going to tell them. Because it's a thing that I'm getting. I'm sorry, that's that's how I feel. You've screwed me over one too many times to care about reporting bugs to you anymore. Even if they are considered a quote-unquote exploit. Well, no, if your rewards are actually what you're handing out, eh, I don't care. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. But, you know, if the masses exploit it the same as you, I'm sure they'll be onto it in no time. Like I said, uh, if it's not already fixed, then it's it's something that's probably intentional. So, and, and if you guys know what it is, good for you. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, no, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, either on the console or on PC. Um, it's on my to-do list. However, I was thinking about what you was, was saying just a minute ago, and it's nice to see that they're starting to add PvP into the game a bit more and they're not just kind of leaving it behind compared to everything else because when, when you kind of look at how the game's gone you know they've added a lot of content which is great they've added money making schemes like new ships packs and etc etc you know lock boxes and blah 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 but pvp kind of for me just got kind of left right at the bottom and it's nice to see that they're adding it in, even if they are adding it in to try and raise... It, it looks to me like they're trying to raise awareness of PvP by adding it into like parts of a mission, if you like. Yeah, well, I suppose with expanding out to the console, a lot of console games, the biggest part of them is PvP for most console gamers, isn't it? So... When it comes to the PC version, as you said, sort of PvP had been just 
left. Nothing new had been added for years. Um, not even any new maps. So I suppose it's a good way to get people a little bit more interested in doing something that involved PvP. And especially with consoles, we might even see some more work done on the PvP front. Now we've had this sort of middle ground. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, you know, play, playing PvP on a console is a lot easier compared to playing on a PC. Now, nothing, I don't think anything special has come out for the console yet in terms of PvP because I think they're, you know, still, not, they're, not, they're not playing catch-up, but they're still trying to line it up, if that makes sense, with, like, a console and a PC um, with uh, maybe a few days or a couple of weeks separation between the two. Um, because I know, like for instance, recently we've only just got the uh, pilot ships on the console. Again, another money-making scheme, but PC had that like months ago. So it'd be interesting to see what they do in the future. Whether this is the way that they're going to go to entice console players as well as PC players to put PvP at the end or at, in some point put it in the missions. That's uh... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they sort of take this. Is if it's popular, then we'll get more cues that include this. Um, otherwise, yeah, we're we're not going to sort of see any more progress on it. Um, suppose see what the take up is. But as with a lot of these things, I think it all depends on whether or not we. It's the rewards at the end of the day. Most people play most missions because of rewards. So um, how popular it is will depend on the rewards that people end up getting from these new sort of war games. Speaking of speaking of re- re- rewards and queues, oh my god, why have I been harassing myself with this having to play the queue when I could go to the Badlands and do the Badlands battle uh, battle zone and get the temporal elite things, the elite tokens. Like if you do the finish, if you do the 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 boss battles at the end of the Badlands battle zone, not only do you get the temporal elite tokens, you get the uh, uh well you get the Terran elite tokens, but you also get the temporal elite tokens, like the the t- uh, the the temporal chronoton things. I was like, why have I been like putting myself through hell trying to do the the temporal cues when I could just go to the Badlands Battle Zone. Yeah, I've still got to complete the entire Battle Zone. I found that uh, a lot of people weren't there at the time when I had tried. Um, And yeah, I just haven't had time to go back. I still haven't even gone to the Zinkathy Battle Zone yet. This is like, nope. I'm not. I'm not going to go to Schrodinger's Battle Zone because I don't know that it is fixed, and I'm not going to go find out if it's broken. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Time will tell, as with most of these things. Well, I heard uh, they uh, changed the queue system anyway, and some people were complaining that it wasn't as great as what it was before. Oh, this is the new UI. I think um, I like the new UI. Um, apart from the fact it is missing the cooldowns, but I like it. Um, it could do without the extra little tick box, I think. Um, but 
yeah, a lot of people have had problems with that. I see. So, um, but yeah, um, you'll see it for yourself when you get a chance to actually get in game. Yeah, which will hopefully be in the next couple of days. Now, in chat, we've had um, people talking about PvE and PvP. Um, Alex says, well, we could talk hours and hours about whether or not competitive PvE is the same as PvP or not. Um, I believe PvP peers have rather a strong opinion on that. I read a thread on Reddit that console players complained about the um, St. Cathy Battlezone being rather buggy. I'm pretty sure PC players complained and still do it. But the same thing. So the console players should have seen that coming from a mile or two away. So. Uh, you know, unless they don't have access to the blog constantly or the, the little news feed constantly. But, uh, I don't... Which, um, just trying to think. Obviously, you've got the, you get the various menus that come up, don't you? Are you talking about like, the blogs from the web the website itself well no just the the news blurbs the news blurbs itself from the ah. website like when 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 is a console player going to log into their console through whatever official console sponsored store thing they're supposed to be logging in through and go from there to star trek online and instantly see news about star trek online for the console because I, I don't know how consoles work. I don't know. Do you guys have your own little itty-bitty launcher that pops up with news before you actually start playing the game? Or do you, like, physically have to go to the Star Trek Online website to see console news? No, there is, um... There is, like... Just trying to think. When you, when you log in, obviously, yeah, there is, like, news windows, if you like. Um... But whether that news is relevant or not, I don't know. But I think it's one of the ones where you click on it and then it opens up the browser. Because obviously I know that on the PlayStation 4, you you can actually use a browser on it to go on the internet and things like that. So, I mean, I haven't clicked on it personally. That'd be saying that I'd go away and find out. But you do get like the news that pops up like of the latest things. So for instance, it, would, it might show a poster of the latest season or the event that's on or something like that and it ain't until you actually go into the game itself that you get like obviously the events calendar and stuff if that makes so, sense so so it's so it's yeah it's it's going to be one of those things where a console player logging in isn't going to take the time to click that thing because they want to get in the game and play and clicking that thing doesn't even keep them in game it opens up a separate thing that opens a browser and takes them to the website Good job, Cryptic. Yeah, no doubt. They'll <laughs> console gamers don't want to diverse from the game. I mean, as it is, you have to go through. Uh, you click on the game, then the game loads up and it connects to obviously Cryptic. Then from Cryptic, it connects to like the Shard. Um, and then, do you know what I mean? It's like there's like it's like a, a couple of doors that you got to go through basically in hindsight to connect. Similar to the way PC players connect to Arc, and then from Arc they connect to the game. So yeah, I mean you get you get various news feeds and stuff. Nothing bloggy wise, but um, you know just basically a snapshot of maybe the, like I said the latest event or like ship sales or you know them kind of things that you'd get when you log. Similar to 
You know, like when you launch the browser for not the browser, the uh, the when you launch the launcher on the PC, right? They've got that snapshot window, haven't they, of what's coming up, and it kind of flicks through by itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a similar thing on the console to that, and that is pretty much the news until obviously you go in game and check the calendar out and whatever. So yeah, I don't think console players are going to want to diverse away from that. They're just going to want to go straight forward through the doors into the game. Boom, done. So yeah, when when console news comes out, there's it's wholly more likely that the console players aren't even going to see it or give a damn about it because it's not in the game, and in fact, it hampers them from the experience of being in the game. Yep, pretty much. Well, some other things that they've released on the PC patch notes on Thursday. The PvEQ UI, they have added messages that notify old and new leaders of a leadership change. The Leave Selected Queues button will now be disabled to reflect the existing fact that it's not possible to leave the selected queue when a group has been matched and is waiting for a map. And they've also resolved an issue where the whistle sound when a queue is ready was played twice. And they've also resolved an issue that occasionally caused maps to crash as well. I'm still waiting for them to implement the tab that's a, you know, how they have the, the tab system on the sides. And then each one has its own little set of tabs that give you more information about each of the queues in that tab. I'm still waiting for those sub tabs to have a drop down that lets me overall change the fucking difficulty. Instead of having to select each queue and change its difficulty. Um, they have resolved some issues in Survivor, um, which is a um, previous featured episode. And they've also raised the height of some walls to stop players from accidentally jumping over them and out of playable space. <laughs> Um, on Core Assault, they've added an AFK penalty for normal and advanced difficulties. The door UI now vanishes after opening all four doors. For Binary Circuit, they've resolved an issue with collision on floor puzzle pieces. Um, the subspace inverter and gravimetric traps no longer allow players out of the waiting area. And they resolved an issue where mortars could strike players on the other team unless the player is fighting as the Borg. Um, on the Cabal okay, mission... that's hilarious. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's kind of hilarious. That's your PvP element, and you removed it? Oh, cryptic. Oh, cryptic. My god. <laughs> okay. Kabali missions, the completion of the Temple of My People now counts towards the Kabali Crisis Act 1 mission. And they resolved an issue where players who are not in a fleet could join a fleet PvE queue. So that means that those queues are once again available. In the systems, the Wargame Reputation consumables, the countdown timer of the shorter length consumable now displays properly as 60 seconds. They've added some icons and they've resolved some issues with placeholder FX as well. Um, turned in all space transform separation abilities to address the situation that was causing pets summoned by these abilities to almost immediately despawn and flee. So all space 
transform or separation abilities now receive a tooltip description update. Um, known issues, um, well, they say that the foundry functions will be temporarily unavailable, though one of the news items we've got is that the foundry is back. So I'm not sure if though foundry is back online whether um, some functions are um, temporarily unavailable at the moment or which one came first. Um, knowing how they do things it's probably up so you can do testing um, but you may not be able to do certain things like possibly publish or something I know they've done that before. Um, when the player opens the new PV EQ UI for the first time, the categories will be out of order. So the close window, so close window and reopen it to resolve it. And the other known issue is teams in PVE queues disband when the queue ends instead of leaving the map. So they're the things that they've listed as known problems, although there will be more. We also had a new roleplay block um, this week. This one is called Fusion. What did you guys think of this one? Uh, I think we need to cover the mission before we cover Fusion, because it's supposed to take place after the mission. Oh. Very true. So, well, Geese, you haven't actually been in-game yet. Um, did you want us to put off our review of the mission until next week? Nah, go for it, go on. I'm not really that I'm not really that fussed about spoilers and things like that. Okay, cool. So, um so yeah, spoiler alert, if you haven't played the brand new featured episode and you didn't get week one reward, then pause, go play it as we're about to talk about it. So son, what did you think of the new mission? Oh boy. From the beginning. So, in another act of Kumarki being the uh, ultra-intelligent super-god of everything that knows everything, uh, suddenly there's a planet that, 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 that exists now in a place where the Federation has kind of been puttering around for years and scanning around generally, and the Lucari have discovered it. So, let's go investigate. Oh, wait. It's New Kentar, and the people there are Kentari. You know, that planet that we visited in the last mission that was utterly irradiated to crap because they destroyed themselves, right? Okay, apparently they survived and had a mass exodus. Okay, that's plausible. I can believe that. In the middle of a huge fucking nebula right next to the Zenkethi? That's pushing it. Well, you and... don't know that the Zenkethi were there originally. Well, no, well, it's not even that. The The fact that they're... And this is part of the later mission. The fact that they're on this planet, with a moon, in the middle of a nebula, right next to Zenkethi space, and the moon has the ki the crystals that the Zenkethi are going nuts trying to, to do whatever the hell that they're doing with the protomatter thing. Why wasn't that moon one of the first things to go? Well, it would have been a lot faster and a lot easier for the Zenkethi to scan that moon down than the K-13 planet thing. Well, the thing is, we know the Zenkethi are on the move, 
So just because it's on the border of their space doesn't mean that that border was there a month ago, a year ago. They're on the offensive. They're expanding where they are, which is how I've taken this. They're expanded. They've expanded to the nebula. They've detected the moon. They go after the moon. Again, this whatever the hell this quote-unquote war is, it makes no sense because it's not put together in any sort of way. And I know Cryptic has got this, ooh, we've got all the secrets back here, and it's like, okay, you do that shit. This shit will still make no fucking sense even when you have your big reveal. Do you know why? Because you led people with all this, ooh, mystery, 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 and you had all this bullshit reasoning to lead up to it. Like, the fact that Kumarki is always super highly intelligent and seems to know instantly everything about everything. Does nobody remember the fact that we went to an archaeological dig and instantly she was recreating shit from the past after a protomatter explosion? That doesn't normally happen. Not without some kind of exposition to say, this is my scientific background and how I can do that. But no, instantly Kumarki is this super fucking genius. Well, we knew from the beginning when we first met her, she's one of the top scientists they have. That was our whole introduction. Top scientist doesn't mean she has a field of every fucking thing. Well, isn't that a Star Trek? scientist. They always get around everything and can explain everything. I mean, we went That's like the, all of Star Trek. <laughs> we, we went to go pick up a Cardassian scientist from Deep Space Nine for one fucking mission. And that mission was to do a thing. And that scientist was specifically there for that one thing. And we've not seen that Cardassian scientist since. And you're telling me Kumarki is the, like, literal mother brain of every fucking science ever? Ever in the entirety of existence? That she can go from archaeological preservation to instantly knowing about a society that she believed dead, but was actually part of her ancestry. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Not only, not only that, but like, there's the, you know, I said I'd have problems with this specifically last week. When we beam down, we get beamed down to the wrong location because raisins, whatever those raisins may be. That's far beyond the point. The fact is, we beam down, and instantly there's a dude laying in front of us, like, dying. And we get beamed nope. to the wrong location because of um, the traditionalists. Um, they they sent the wrong things. That's okay. The whole... Like, okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But my problem is, you know, all you Federation people with the Federation values and, and shit... And the moment you beam down, there's instantly a dude laying in a puddle of pollution right in front of you. And nobody thought to fucking render aid to the dude? I'm sorry, you're kind of here to initiate first contact. You beaming into the city is uh, an instant violation of all that in the first fucking place. You might as well help these people. But that's what the Federation's all about, isn't it? Like, I mean... Isn't that like Federation values? You help people where you can? Like, this dude literally can't ask for help. He's just sitting there wailing because he's in pain. And you scan him and move on. What the fuck was anybody in the dev department thinking? They're xenophobes. They don't like outsiders. He doesn't know that. He's he's fucking barely conscious on the ground. <laughs> We don't even 
know if he's a traditionalist or not. He's just laying on the ground in pain, and the only thing you can do is scan him and go, yep, he's infected with pollution. Well, we better move on to the Capitol. <laughs> That's well, a very Klingon thing to do, or a very Romulan thing to do, but I cannot, for the life of me, see a Federation officer standing there saying those words and then fucking moving on, especially if that if that officer is a medical-based science officer or has medical-based science officers as part of their bridge crew that is down for this mission. Time, times are hard. We've got to move on. The thing is, they're dying because of all the pollution around the planet. So they, the only way they can actually properly treat these people is by talking to the leadership, which is what they say they should do first. They know Bullshit. from they know Bullshit. from they know from Kamari that they're xenophobes. They don't like outsiders. They don't like their own people. They do. They misuse um, scientific things for profit and crap like that. So they go to find the person in charge. That's well, bullshit. They, what, and you if this person is barely, no, hang on. If this person is barely able to move or reply or anything else, what are they supposed to do? Abduct them and take them up to the ship? Bullshit. You want to know why I'm going to call bullshit? Because how many times did Voyager do the exact same thing to xenophobes? Quite a few. They rendered medical assistance where they could, even though the people that they were treating were xenophobes. And once those people got well, they went, holy shit, you treated me. I need to... Uh. Does anybody remember Species 8472? Some xenophobes. Medically treated by the doctor. Yeah, and how many times in... The doctor. And how many times did we get in episodes that we can't help or treat these people because of the Prime Directive? Uh, again, that was the Picard mm. era, though. That was the Picard era, let's be honest. That was all. Yeah, but all I'm saying is we've seen both ways. We've seen both way it go both ways on the show, and to me, the stuff, the text that they had in there explained, you know, that basically they needed to speak to the people in charge because it's a planetary wide problem. They can't help people until they understand what's going on, what they can do to help, and actually solve it for everyone. Nobody has nobody has scans of of Kumarki or the Lucari at all. They would have to at least have the same base physical structure. Well, with the fact that all this poisoning and everything else, all the their living conditions could have changed them in many ways. But at the end of the day, they are there to see the leadership. And they're the people who they need to speak to about trying to get help to these people. Okay. And, and here's the thing. I don't know if this is one of your glorious devil's advocate things or not. But honestly, I don't think any Federation officer, aside maybe from Picard, would sit there and do nothing. Especially if they were a doctor. Especially if they were a doctor, because every doctor in Trek has tried to render medical assistance. Even, even when Picard told Beverly not to, she tried. Oh, so, as I said, I so never had an issue with any of that part of it. Like, I, 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 have, I have no issues with us tracking through this, this little thing and finding out there's all this pollution and all this shit, just like the old kentar and all i have no problems with that other than the fact that 
I played this on a Cardassian on the KDF side, and I looked at the I looked at beaming in at that mission, and I went, "No Federation officer would ever do that." That's why I asked you last week, "Did you play this as a Federation officer?" And did when you got down there, did you did you render assistance as part of the Federation, or did you just move on? Because it makes no sense whatsoever that the Federation players, especially the medical Federation players, would just simply move on from that situation. These, I'm going to have to, I need to play it again anyway, because it's been sort of a week and a half since I've played it. But I'm sure there are people saying, leave us alone, go away. But yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that, that, but I, that may have actually been, a, there's, there's three guys in that situation. There's the guy on the ground in pain. There's a guy leaning over him going, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? And then there's a guy that walks just a little bit in, uh, a little bit back and forth in between them and another area that you scan. And when you meet the guy that's actually doing the walking, he says, you don't belong here. It's a tough one because I can see where you I can see where you both coming from. You know, on the one hand, you've got the the stereotypical uh, Federation person that, you know, as you've seen time and time again, would make a decision and act on that decision. But then on the plus, on the, on the other side, it's a case of, it's a case of, you know, not violating the prime directive of, you know, getting involved and, and, you know, going straight to, well, getting involved, but going straight to the top rather than doing something on the ground right there and then. But it is a bit silly to be beamed right next to a a body that's lying on the floor. Whether they knew that that body was there or not, I don't know. But just I I I, I look at this like I look at the episode Midnight. It's like there there are three options for this situation, and thankfully my Cardassian is on the Klingon side because the Cardassian option would be the Klingon option. If he's strong, he'll live. If he's weak, he'll die. The Romulan option is just to shoot him. Look, I ended his pain and suffering, and the Federation option is to sit there and actually try and render medical assistance. That's that's it. That the first thing you do is scan this body and go, no, we need to move on. Okay, I could see that for the Romulan after shooting the guy in the face. I can see that for the Klingon after going, if he lives, he lives. If he dies, he was weak. It's well, tough. As, as I know, said, could... I'll, I'll reread the dialogue that comes up, but I never had an issue with it. And I'm sure people were saying, stay away from him, stay away from us. In, okay, so uh, aside from that, we get to the vending machine with the breathers, three breathers. I'm playing this on a character who has not gotten sufficiently far on the missions to actually pick up the rebreathers in any fashion whatsoever, like the actual ones that we get. Would kind of be nice if um, we somehow found a way to, I don't know, hack the machine and get a pair of rebreathers, even if they're cruddy. Does anybody else think that? Um, I can't remember what I did with the rebreathers now. Yeah, it would be nice. Just we just scanned it, didn't we? We didn't do anything. It would be nice to have an option to to get them somehow. I mean, you know, take for example the uh, Eve is it Eva suits, EVA suits. You know, you can get them at multiple points. So if you ever did run out for 
whatever reason, you know, you could always pick one up pretty easy. So they should do that with they should do the same thing with the wee breathers. If I mean, like for 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 all, like for fuck's sake, it's a vending machine for rebreathers. How can we not just like do some tricorder magic and have the things pop out of the vending machine? <laughs> Shit, we may not have their currency, but that doesn't mean their computer systems are super more in uh uh uh. uh advanced at ours i mean crap when you can program a tricorder to fire a photon torpedo from the bridge of another ship you kind of can't say that you can't hack a vending machine because raisins yeah good way to start um talking to their leadership oh yeah don't mind us we're just stealing rebreathers uh, yeah we haven't actually paid for them because you actually have currency. And yeah, your public may actually have needed them at some point, given the amount of pollution that's there. But yeah, we've just taken some for ourselves. <laughs> that's a good start. Hey, you know what? As a Federation officer, why not hack the thing and have them dispense it for free and then hand them out? Yeah, nice way to destroy their economy. Just still, don't really make a good impression to the people you're supposed to be going to see. Which is the whole idea. You're seeing the the leadership. <laughs> yeah, as 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 far as we're concerned, as far as we're concerned this whole time, the leadership is wanting the reclamation, like this 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 kind of reconciliation thing. Is the the leadership actually is trying to seek outside help. And outside help, I guarantee everybody but the Ferengi is gonna say, you should be handing these out for free. This is, these are your own people. You shouldn't keep them like this. Yeah, but you don't know any of that until you actually go talk to their leadership. Doesn't doesn't stop you from trying in the first place, does it? But again, you put yourself in a situation where you are stealing and because you You've don't know... You've already been put in that situation by people who you don't even know are against you in the first fucking place. Am I wrong? Other at the time, you don't know it how... It doesn't matter the... what the hell I know. All I know is that I've been transported to an area where people are sick, Federation values go, I should be helping these people. And to make sure they can get the help that they need, you speak to the leadership. Because otherwise... the fact. You render assistance first... You're in the middle of a city. Come... How many thousands or millions are you going to help first? Along the way... Sorry, no, I, I don't see that. You would go speak to the leadership, so, find out what the situation is. Look, if it look, is only ends up to be a handful of people, then yes, you would beam down people to help. But if it's millions of people in a city, you can't have a, a team of people just helping them before going to talk to people. You're not going to get the help see, done. See, this is, people could end okay. up getting sicker by standing outside waiting for the help. Okay, here's do you are are you a nurse? Do you have a nurse in your immediate family? Um, yes, I've got an uncle who's a paramedic, an aunt that's a nurse. What what would they do in that situation? Would they render assistance first, or go and talk to their higher ups first? I can't talk on them, but I know as a first aider that you are told to go and dial in this country it's nine country it's 911 before you you call for help you get um you find out what the situation is and be advised on how you should proceed because yeah. they can dispatch help in the proper way 
that's the first thing you're told is you can't stay and help someone if you because you could be doing more harm. So I'm sorry, no. They're being told by the, the people around them is you should be here, go away. They've been told about these people and how xenophobic they are. You want to try and help. The best way to do that is to find out what the situation is and speak to the leadership about where Federation or Klingon or whatever resources could be the most help and how help can actually be delivered. Okay. If Okay. Fine. Then where is the terminal for calling the ambulance for the Kentari? That's the thing. We don't know. <laughs> we shouldn't have been beamed to that. That was an, an accident or a deliberate thing by the traditionalists. We, again, yeah. we don't know. So you, cont- you know that nearby are the people in charge. If, if I walk you up go to a there. newspaper kiosk, if I walk up to a newspaper kiosk or a news kiosk, period... And the, the the news kiosks blatantly tell me if you're noticing a problem having uh, if you're noticing a, a a citizen having problems notify medical authorities. Where's the big huge medical authorities button? Either there or somewhere around there or nearby where the person was in the first place. You know you're nearby the leadership. You go there. You tell them what the situation is. But you never do that anyway. You just scan the guy and move on. You don't even tell them that. I'm sorry. I, I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, I don't see a problem with how the storyline or that part turned out. Which, which you've, which you've said multiple times. At this point, that's been that's that's solely my biggest gripe is that you don't try to help in any capacity. But whether it's rendering assistance hitting the button that calls for medical assistance from the Kentari, or actually stating it to the Prime Minister that there's a dude out there lying on the ground. But is it meant to be a planet-wide thing? Well, yeah, like the, the whole planet is looted like that. So if it was a planet-wide thing, then surely they'd know about it already before you'd even turned up. Well, no, no, no. Each individual medical, each individual medical emergency is its own individual medical emergency and has to be informed. That there are planet-wide pollution problems that are causing health problems, but each individual medical emergency has to be taken care of on a it's a medical emergency and needs to be taken care of basis. Yeah, but what it mean? Even if we even if we got in tr- even if we got in contact with the medical authorities and they go, we have already got somebody dispatched. That's you rendering assistance. You don't even do that. It's just it, it's ugh. like, uh, I, you know, uh, I I'm not going to play this mission on a Federation character ever. But no, as I said, you're going to see the leadership. I would have gone to bring it up with the leadership. Only thing is, is of course you then get attacked along the way. So that's then not your priority. The, I but, don't I don't have issues with the being attacked the first time. I have issues with being attacked a second time. Do you know why I have issues with being attacked a second time? Why? Because you're in front of their fucking Capitol building. Where the fuck are all those guards? I don't care if they're traditionalists or not. Where are all those guards? There should have been a whole assload of guards there, period. Yeah, well, because that was thinking there was that barrier in the way. They'd created um, a blockade. No, 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 no. That's the first one. You blow that one up. Once you get to the little fountain, that's right in front of the Capitol building. 
they don't there's no barrier in front of the Capitol building. And yet there are all those commoners in front of that Capitol building that literally turn into, hey, you come here. We're going to kill you. Uh, where are all the fucking guards? This is literally the Capitol building. There were there were guards roaming the street and there were none in front of the Capitol building. What the actual fuck? Even if the guards were standing there, even if the guards were standing there and were traditionalists and went, <laughs> let it happen, there should have been guards there. Well, I, I don't know. Depends on their, how they do the security measures. All their security could be indoors. Yes, I would expect some sort of security outside. As I said, I'll need to play it again, but I'm sure. I, I don't. I remember the blockade being in front of it. That's the first one. You fight two groups of traditionalists. Yeah, I thought the blockade was with the second. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll replay it this weekend. Then. Um, and that's just the first one-fourth of the mission. God, it's taken this long to just cover the first one-fourth of this mission. Because then we go talk to the Prime Minister, realize that she's trying to actually do good by her people. And uh, that's pissing off a whole bunch of traditionalists because their traditionalists want to keep the old Kintari values. Take whatever political leaning you want from that, hint, hint. Um, and at the same time all this crap is going on, she, this prime minister lady, is instantly reaching out an olive branch to other alien races and, surprisingly, look! The Lucari are still alive. These exiled. Let's let's be diplomatically friendly with them too. And she like full up acknowledges she's probably going to be cursed for the rest of her life as some villainous something or other. But she's trying to do good by her people, which is a nice sentiment. And then we get thrown out into space because in Kathy, I don't have any really. I don't have any real major issues with this, except that I was in a wholly underwhelmingly you know, equipped ship. So it took a good 15, 20 minutes to bring down the Zenkethi dreadnaughty thing at the end of this run. You know, at the end of this bit. Okay. Well, the only issue I had with the mission was the location of the second ground map of, and the way you saw being charged by the enemies. Um, I think they probably could have done a little bit more with that. But out of the entire mission, that was the only problem that I had with it. So, okay, as you're fighting this, as you're fighting the, the, the Dreadnought thing, which if, if it's designed to be a 20-minute slog, I can understand my underperformance being on par with what you should be experiencing. But... <sighs> It's so this mission jumps way too fast, way too from from scene to scene to scene. There seems to be no real timing or pacing to it. It's just jump to the next thing and then jump to the next thing and jump to the next thing. Because after we fight the, the, the Zinkethi Dreadnought, we're supposed to be going down to the planet to take care of the thing. And well, the Zinke us fighting off the Dreadnought was just enough time for them to plant their bombs and set them off. Okay. Next scene. Immediate next scene is is 
Kumarki talking about having already or is is us moving in to set up things and right after that we're already dealing with they didn't work uh okay you have a really weird way of timing this to this part of the mission cryptic because to be fighting off Zenkethi remnants so that Kumarki can beam down stuff to do her anti-proto-matter thing and then instantly already be in the scene where we're trying to set the thing up and set it off is super fast and super weird. And it's a complaint I've had with other episodes of Trek, too. It's like, okay, you cut away from them before they even get down to the planet, and now we're already dealing with the there's the stuff's already on the planet set up and ready to go. Okay. It's super weird, and it doesn't feel cool, but okay. And then we go, oh, it didn't work. Well, let's go down and find out what went wrong. Oh, they sabotaged it. And they're coming after us. Thank God these weapons are on stun. Unless you're using the Cochrane shotgun, which personally, that's what I'm running with as the Cardassian. So these guys are just dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not getting a face full of buckshot and living. But yes, no, the, the, the traditionalists sabotaged it. Thank God we had these security protocols installed. Okay, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, Fix it. Okay, we fixed it. Now, here's the part that comes in from the RP blog that will never fucking happen. Using this protomatter, the Zenkethi reverse, or the Lucari reverse the effects of what the Zenkethi did in using the protomatter bomb. They recreate life via a Lucari Genesis effect on the moon, making it, an, making it a, a veritable farmland again for the Kentari to use. Cool beans. You will never, ever, ever be able to get it to the Federation. Moving on, then we then we then come to uh the Prime Minister telling us that her planetary security dude is going to meet us because the you know the traditionalists were on the planet, which okay, the, the traditionalists were on the moon and sabotage the thing, which, okay, I, you know, if we're not judging by time, you know, a whole ass load of people on that moon were just obliterated, and suddenly there are traditionalists there at the exact same moment that the Lucari are setting up an, a Genesis device. Uh, it's, it's weird, but okay. So then we find out that the planetary security defense minister is a traditionalist, and he has a EVE Online Force Auxiliary Capital fucking ship as a ship. And you have to fight him and a whole bunch of other Kentari. Thankfully, all your weapons on your ship are on stun, for the most part, because you disable everything. Well, regarding the timings, while you're battling the Zenkathi, um, in the first space map, the traditionalists are sabotaging what you've already beamed down. No, no, no. That's See, that's the problem with the timing. You fighting the Zenkethi is you getting to the moon before they bomb it, before they protomatter bomb it. 
fighting the Dreadnought, the Dreadnought warps off as the bomb is going off, and the moon goes cold. Then, from there, you're leading Kumarki into a position to get stuff ready to beam down, and you're fighting off uh, the Zenkethi along the way. Then... From that, once that mis- that part of the mission is over, you are instantly already in the area where they have already beamed the stuff down and are getting ready to, st- to hit the fire button to undo what the Zenkethi just did. That's the problem. Mm. Um, the like, thing is... Look, I know they were pressed for time, because this, this mission feels like it was rushed out the fucking door just to get it out the door because it was such a huge fucking mission. And I'll admit, this was a huge fucking mission. I liked that it was a long mission, but good God, does it feel like a whole bunch of it was just shoved out the door without anybody going, hmm, does this make sense in any way? Sounds like a whole bunch of hoo-ha. It's a a decent mission. It's a decent mission, aside from all these gaping holes that I've seen in the damn thing, and I just go... But to me, it's still no different than what you would see in a Star Trek episode. And it's true. And it's the same with any other game. Like, when I have played Star Wars, all of a sudden, this thing's already there. Uh, It's just, if they go through and have all these tiny little bits in it, it's not going to be... It's going to slow things down so much that people are just going to get annoyed with it. Now, see, I could be, I could wholly see this episode having been split up into two missions. And don't tell me you can't do it because we have had it done before. Back to back missions, you you do. Everybody goes through at least one when you beam down to fucking Nimbus because there's the getting to the Orion Syndicate thing and then immediately after getting to the door to Shengu is the next mission which is inside Shengu. Oh my fucking ain't Nimbus. <laughs> that is those are direct back to back missions and it could have been done with this. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like five missions combined, isn't it, into one really. You keep going back to the same dude. And then he gives you the next one straight away, blah blah blah. Well, no, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean oh, is okay. you're you're you you're doing the area of the the Orion Syndicate in the crashed ship area. So you're yeah. freeing the you're freeing the the people who've been kidnapped. Then you're making your way to Hassan's base proper, and the end of the mission is right there in front of the door to Hassan's base, Chengdu. And yeah. the next mission is you going inside. The very next mission says, oh, this door is now enterable. That's the start yeah. of the very next mission. So it is a back-to-back mission, and it could have been done here. Maybe. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe one day <coughs> the people that made it will tell us why they did it that way, but not back-to-back. But, but yeah, no, the the the, the whole... This mission is fine as a story mission. It's it, it's fine. I have my yeah. own quirks and I have my own seeing the holes, and I see those holes in other trick things. I see those other holes when it comes to stuff like Star Wars and other things. I've just always found the holes and go, that doesn't make sense to me. That's just who I am. Oh, in but then, chat. Go ahead. 
in chat, Data Android going back to the first ground mission about the guards outside says there are no guards at a castle door on the outside of the castle. Uh oh. Well, um, that was in regards to uh, we're talking about no guards Capital outside yeah. the Capitol building, and I said, well, all their security could be indoors, like um, sort of in his case, he's saying like a castle. You wouldn't have guards standing outside because it's fortified. I don't know. Considering that there are guards, quote-unquote, walking the street, why wasn't there a guard posted outside of the Capitol building? Even just a patrol guard. Things I'll have to... I can't remember if this was actually Star Trek Online that I'm remembering or something else, but um, wasn't there a bit of dialogue that said that um, there's been um, lots of violence on the street, so... um, They've had to start having their people in armor and things like that. So if they withdrew people out from the street because of the traditionalist violence, to then be extra support inside the building. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna. Um, and as for the as we, for the no guards at a castle door, okay, cool. That doesn't mean there's no lookout there on the battlement looking for problems and issues for guards to go and handle should they need to handle an issue. And if those guards are part of the traditionalists that deliberately got you sent to parts of the city instead of inside of the Capitol building, then they're not going to do anything at all. Again, this is why I go. Look, I'm okay with their. I'm I'm okay with there not being guards right there on the ground, but there's got to be some kind of crow's nest box with a guy sitting somewhere going, "Hey, I'm uh, I ain't getting involved in that. That's that's all on you, you damn aliens." Yeah, just, but if he's a traditionalist who that. was part of the thing that got them sent there, then he's just gonna watch again. Yep, hopefully you're going to die. He's not going to warm people or do anything. That's that's what I'm saying. If there's nobody there, there's not even a guy sitting up in a crow's nest box attached to the building looking for trouble as a lookout guard, just slacking off and, 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 you know, talking shit to us because he is a traditionalist. (laughs) Data Android goes... People, it's only a game. It'll never be fully real. <laughs> no, but this yeah. is where the RP blog comes into it, though. But yeah, the RP blog um, basically continues on afterwards about what's going on um, sort of in two places. One is on um, the Lakari capital, yeah, and then the other one is on Kantari. So. Um, yeah, the, the 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 RP blog starts uh, with the, I guess the Lucari version of the prime minister or a Lucari councilman, who, like all of the lore before Kumarki getting her ship is the Kumarki the, the Lucari actually hate Kumarki. They don't know why she's so popular, they don't know why everybody likes her, but everybody in authority seems to fucking hate her guts. 
and here is the perfect example of that because there's this dude going, what's our little hero done now? Oh, she's added Diplomat to her roster. Swell. <laughs> which, which, is, which is fun and fine, but then you get the line... Then you get the line from him about the Lucari joining the Federation, and I stopped, and I laughed for about a good half a minute, because that's not happening, ever. I don't know. One word, proto-matter. It's not going to happen, unless... The Federation is all about forcing the Lakari to stop using the protomatter to Genesis planet, worlds destroyed by the Zinkethi. Well, we've seen in the TV series that in order to apply, then yeah, some worlds have had to make changes. So we don't know whether that will or won't happen. We've not got to that part of the story yet, if we ever do. But it's also the fact that we've, of course, just been through some huge wars. Um, so they're looking to... Yes, let's abandon all our values because we've been through all of these wars that we keep getting into! Oh, for fuck's sake. No, all I'm saying is they may be looking at things like that as tools to do more good who knows? I'm interested to see where that's going to take us. But yeah, the second part of the RP blog is back with um, the Kamari on um, Kenta on Katari, and um, yeah, new Kentar, isn't it? Um, where the Prime Minister is sort of looking out the window. Um, basically, people, all the traditionalists are looking to have um, was it Pentaro? Um, reinstated and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's basically Th- it's, things it's, haven't it's, improved. It's it's more it's more warhawk type of bullshit. You couldn't defend your own fucking planet, and you had to have alien help. You're not fit to be leader. Reinstate this other dude. Uh, okay. You realize that other dude is the reason who caused. Essentially, she is being wholly vilified, and she's willing to accept all that shit because she is doing what she believes to be the best for her people. Yeah. But no, I found an interesting blog. So um, the link. Just I can't. Be... The 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 the. I just want to point out, and this is something I don't think a lot of people have. And honestly, I haven't spoken about it because I don't think anybody would get it. But if you look at the 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 view from the 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 new Kentar Prime Minister's office, what you see is <laughs> what you see is New York in the Fifth Element. Although super advanced buildings above the clouds and below it is the ruining ruining decay of what is New York, and like. Like, all of those super tall buildings are built on top of the old infrastructure. Yeah. Like, I noticed that and I went, man, I just need a flying taxi cab. Well, it's not the first time that sort of thing has been seen. You also see it in Doctor Who as well. It, it, you see these things, things as if it, a place has got loads of pollution, then yeah, people who can afford it will arrange to live on higher ground. So, and continue dumping their pollution down at the people below. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, Oblongs. Uh, that was a, a, a U.S. show. People who had been exposed to pollution and radiation and were, like, freaks of nature. Right. Okay. The dad was literally a head and a body. He had no arms or legs. Hmm. Yeah. If you can find it, check it out. It's it was it. It's mildly amusing. Well, the link will be in our show notes if you haven't read the blog yet. Okay, so let's move on to community feedback. Hooray! We're all gonna die. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. I guess my quote would have been more appropriate for after that. <laughs> so, what feedback have we got then, son? So, um, interestingly enough, we didn't cover feedback for episode 259, last episode, because we had just come back from an extended period of real life happening. So we... You know, we didn't we didn't want to extend the show even further which only means we're extending this show even further than last week's show would have been <laughs> because now we have 2 weeks of feedback to cover so uh for episode 259 our first community question was what are your thoughts on rain wilson being cast as harry mud in discovery and from the stow forums chozo elder responded and said i'm indifferent it's not like I ever found Mud to be a classic character who I want more screen time of. He's someone who appeared in two episodes of Toss and one episode of the animated series that I've never seen. Not much else to say. Alex Wonger responded on the forums and said, Like I said, the last time you asked about additional cast members, I'm not worried about the actors or even people like uh, Nicholas Meyer. I'm sure they'll do a fine job if CBS lets them. Uh, that's that's my point of contention. Sure, sometimes an actor doesn't pull his weight, but more often than not, that might be a matter of poor writing, direction, or executive interference. And yes, you mentioned how CBS claimed they wouldn't interfere, just like Cryptic claimed Toss Feds were as much a faction as the Romulans. Maybe Cryptic got some super-secret metrics that proved their point, but every conceivable metric available... To the player base, says that Toss Feds are little more than a different tutorial. Shrug. Nobody answered our second community question? Okay. Our third community question from episode 259 was, Are you looking forward to season 13 in Stowe? Chozo Elder responded on the forums and said, It's a season that's mostly about balancing and PvP. It's one that I'm not particularly excited about, but it's one the game needs. I mostly look forward to the story episodes. Alex responded and said, Nope, I don't care about PvP at all. And balance changes. I got nothing on my plate tomorrow, so instead of relaxing, I will invest the time into finishing that darn email. I'll explain why I have no faith in Cryptic when it comes to balance. Which he did, and we'll get to later. Oh my god. Apart from that, we get another featured episode. I hope this one's going to be better than Survivor. No, I won't spoil anything. You can keep reading. Spoilers are coming for next week's review, I assume. Not that the new episode is particularly bad. It's certainly not House Peg, Broken Circle, or Time and Tide kind of bad. 
it is serviceable. I just happen to have issues with the way a certain character is written. It feels a little inconsistent. And our final community question was, should more than just the tier 6 tactical ships come with a heavy weapon slot? Chozo Elder Second said, I think only the only the tactical ships should get a heavy weapon slot. Cruises already have their command auras, while science vessels have their sensor analysis and subsystem targeting. Tacticals have subsystem targeting as well, they just have a secondary deflector. Just wanted to point that out. What do escorts have as their innate ability? Nothing really. Unless they're raiders, then they have the flanking bonus. Pilot maneuvers don't count since not every escort has them. And while a heavy weapon isn't uh, uh, isn't an ability, it still adds a tiny bit of spice to escorts that gives people who tend to stray away from uh, from them a little more incentive to fly them more often for something new. Alex Wunger responded and said, Have you read the definition of what kinds of ships are going to get a heavy weapon slot? That's what happens when you make a bajillion different categories of ships. Raiders, Raptors, Escorts, Battlecruisers, Dreadnought, this, Dreadnought, that, Destroyer, and so on. And then you blur the lines until no one understands the difference anymore. There's a thread on Reddit that tried to list the ships that will get a heavy weapon slot according to the definition. If the players have to scour the ship databases to make sense of your definition, you're doing it wrong, Cryptic. And no, Midnight, I'm not asking them to remove choices. Keep the amount of ships. Keep them different, but make sure that a new player can look at the categories and know exactly what they're getting. Easy to learn, hard to master. Yes, Blizzard might have a copyright trademark on that phrase. Then we had our general feedback from episode 259. Chozo Elder said, The artisanal sonification system, it got really old really fast. But you got a great chuckle out of it from me when I found out that the weapons literally made pew pew sounds. The Allied Escort Bundle, man, oh man, these ships are sleek. I've also wanted uh, a railgun in this game. I'm seriously thinking about getting the Shikras just so I can have the railgun on my other escorts. I say this as someone who never thinks about buying ships for their gear. It's been a while since I responded to the community questions. I haven't been playing Stowe as much as before. I've been busy with Breath of the Wild. You cheating wench! That game is god-tier levels of addicting. You cheating wench! <laughs> no, I'm just jealous because I don't own it or a Switch. And I don't even own a Wii U. Damn you! Alex Wunger responded and said, The player potential system. So, some sort of gear score mixed with some kind of ELO system. Okay, that sounds reasonable. And other games use similar systems. So, that's the safe way. And then you factor in your specs? Okay. That's the, point would that's the point that would worry me if I cared about your cues. RP blog. Ripples. <clears throat> timeline this, timeline that. Ragnarok was supposed to end the timeline nonsense for a while. Now, I can't even bo be bothered to get mad. That's all I got. So, last week's community questions. Question one, what did you uh, what do you think of Star Trek Online season thirteen? Alex responded on the forums. Season thirteen. Uh PvP for people who don't really want to do PvP. Cool story, bro. I still won't play it. 
I don't play cues and can't be bothered to get into the grind. I only come here for the Star Trek, the immersion, the attention to detail. And Cryptic keeps giving me less and less of that, so... Shrug. I'm trying to make sure we have Chozo Elder's feedback in here from this week. Do we? If he added it late, then maybe not. Opening the forums! I hadn't seen anything when I went in there earlier. Vent, give me a moment. Okay. Chozo Elder responded on the forums and said, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I'm someone who stopped putting most of my attention into the stats a long time ago. Space Barbie started becoming my end game when I started seeing how much better the art team was getting. So balance changes are somewhat irrelevant to me. Having said that, and someone like me has to agree that the changes were welcoming. I'll get into the cues down below for general feedback. Okay, nobody said anything. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I've got my pages all mixed up again. <laughs> You'd think opening a new tab would be easy, but then you go back and there's like several different pages of show notes and you have to flip back to the right one. I'm just putting Chozo's uh, feedback into the show notes. It'll be in there. Okay, there wasn't a question for, or there wasn't any responses to the timelines thing. So, general feedback. Alex responded and said feedback. Let's start with a few corrections, because unlike Cryptic, Perfect World, I take full responsibility for my shortcomings. Damn, that journalistic shade. A, I corrected myself in Twitch chat during the show, but to make sure people don't miss it. Locarno is not an Italian city, but a Swiss city. I apologize for the mix-up. B, a while ago I claimed that Time and Tide was one of the worst episodes of the Iconian War story arc. That was another mix-up. Although I do hate Time and Tide, it... Uh, it is probably the episode I disliked the most, but the episode I wanted to talk about back then was, of course, Broken Circle. Again, I apologize for any confusion I might have caused whenever that happened. RP Blog Fusion and Mirrors and Smoke Review. I'm going to go over these together because I have issues with the whole Lucari storyline. When it comes to gameplay, Mirrors and Smoke is fine. And the art department keeps being, at least in my opinion, by far the strongest link in the dev team chain. The writing, on the other hand? Ever since the Iconian War, the writing has taken a nosedive. It's not even impossibly bad. It's just, I'm not sure if there are too many cooks in the kitchen, or if Kestrel was just so much more passionate about continuity. Don't get me wrong, her writing was not flawless, but I never hated the infamous Divided Impera. I got what she was trying to do with that episode, and with a few minor rewrites, might have fixed it. But that has become the norm, an abundance of minor issues that a professional writer should be able to fix within minutes, but for some reason, no one notices or cares about. So, what's my problem with the episode? Well, a few logical issues for starters. When we beam down to Kintar... Come to think of it, it would have been nice if we had, at some point in the storyline, been able to beam down to Lakari Prime. I would have liked to see the differences and similarities. But back to the problem at hand. The guy lying face first on the ground at the beam in point. He's sleeping? And we just scan him. We don't offer any help. We're breaking all sorts of protocols already, so we might as well go all out and actually try to help these people. I mean... A science officer could probably help him. Does our way team have a science officer bridge officer who could help? Or could we hail a ship or a medical team? 
no, okay. This this is what I said. This is this has been my issue, and I know you're probably saying I pre-read this feedback, but I had this issue last week, Alex. Before this, before you even made this review, I just didn't. I just couldn't say anything because spoilers. By the way, this is supposedly a first contact scenario. We do not just gallivant around on this planet. What if one of us sneezes and sneezing is a cardinal sin of this world? Remember when Sun mentioned the Edo? Yeah, Tasha did a bad job of figuring out whether or not shore leave was safe. This is even worse. I get that the plot requires us to do this, but given the, but the given reason is beyond nonsensical. If you have to make make up some technobabble about how the nebula seems to have interfered with the transporter or some strange weather phenomenon has suddenly and conveniently appeared, making it impossible to transport and the crew needs to reconfigure. And that's the moment when I remember I'm when I remember that I'm not getting paid to come up with this reason. But someone got paid, and that irritates me. Essentially, he's he's explaining what what would have been a reason for that, and then stopped himself and said, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not going to do Cryptic's job. Good on you, Alex. <laughs> Moving on. So the bigger issue I have with the Lucari story up until now is, I have less than zero clues how much time has passed. How much time since the Great Exodus? How much time since Kumarki was informed that the Kentari even existed? How much time since we met the Lucari? I mean, we talked about it back then. The enlightened Lucari supposedly purged this part of their history from public knowledge. And here we are, and Kumarki is a Kentari expert. Why? How? When? What kind of data is she using? I have so many questions and not a single mention or RP blog about any of it. And the fusion blog. Thoughts about some of the potential reunification with Kentari. Uh, when did they even become public knowledge? Or did you forget that previous episode? This is where the writer should have intervened and tried to straighten out the continuity. Disclaimer, yes, I know that Paul Reed got the job title staff writer whenever he writes something. Maybe Cryptic has other ideas about what a writer should do, or he is not the writer. Shrug. And then the blog even talks about a potential Federation membership. Cool. How long has it been since First Contact? Can we get a story about some quirky interactions between Sugihara and whoever the Lucari's chosen diplomat is? And by... And by contrast, the Kentari seem to be well aware of their history. Okay, once again, how long ago was this great exodus? And how are the Kentari able to tell that Kumarki is a Lucari? I mean, from my point of view, and, and the extremely tiny amount of background information we got, the Lucari are rather pinkish, and the Kentari are different shades of blue... Are there any other obvious differences? I really hope so, because for some reason, telling them apart by the color of their skin makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. Any further insight into their history would be greatly appreciated. It's another one of those let-that-be-your-last-battlefield situations, isn't it? At least it looks that way. For those of you who don't know or don't remember... Let That Be Your Last Battlefield is one of the more infamous Toss episodes 
where there's a race war going on a planet because one half of the people are black on one side and white on the other, and the other half are the white on that side and black on the other. And it's a race war. Well, as far as they as far as they have divided themselves along color lines kind of race war. But yeah, that's the general premise. But let's move on. We fight the Kintari Partisans. Fine. We fight some of them at the central plaza directly in front of the government building. Uh, first, the plaza looks nice, and albeit a bit small. Where are the guards? Can you imagine what what would happen if there was a firefight in front of the capital in the U.S.? Yeah, no shit. Tanks, planes, helicopters, and thousands of armed units would be there instantly. It doesn't matter if 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 they were pro the government or not. All of those. All of those guards would be there in a split second. And we're still not done. Let's skip ahead to the Zenkethi. We fight them. Kumarki and the Kintari observation team beam to the moon, and we fight another group of Zenkethi. We beam to Kumarki's ship, and she uses the device, and it has been sabotaged. Again, there is no indication of any passage of time. That one fight must have last, lasted a few good hours in-game, or something like that. By the way, according to one of the previous missions and the Fusion blog, that one planet we found was Kentar, and the Kentari have resettled to New Kentar. Okay, when did that happen? And why exactly is moving, like a locust, to another planet not an option this time around? Immersion! Attention to detail! And for you Overwatch fans, catchphrase! Have you ever watched a, let's say, 90 to 100 minute movie and thought, well, that wasn't bad. There were so many things that didn't really make sense. And then you sat through the two hours of a director's cut. And all those new scenes the movie made, uh, and all those new scenes made the movie so much better? That's what this episode felt like. It was definitely serviceable, but it felt like half of it ended up on the cutting room floor. And yes, the episode was about as subtle as a wrecking ball. Unfortunately, that has happened in Star Trek before, so nothing to see. Move along. Move along. He's not wrong. Oh, you've added Chozo's feedback. Yes, I don't have to flip back the forms. Okay. So, Chozo Elder responded and said, Competitive PvP. I played a few games of Coruscant and Binary Circuit. I was surprised by how enjoyable they are. At least when everyone on the team is trying to not be AFK, but... I guess I can say the exact same thing for any queue. I was also surprised with how generous the rewards are. You see, you receive about 70 marks if you lose and 90 if you win. That's on normal without the daily. That seems kind of like an, uh, that seems kind of like a lot. It's probably cryptic's incentive for players that don't play PvP, which is practically almost everyone to not get discouraged when they get when they get bodied hard. Like a person who picks up Street Fighter for the first time and doesn't know how to do a DP, and I get destroyed sometimes, but it's certainly more fun than doing ISA or one of those battle zones for the nth time. You got off into, like, Mortal Kombat talk and Street Fighter talk, and I just kind of went, what? I don't know how to... <laughs> I can't relate! I'm not going to play Meta uh, uh, Metroid Prime Federation Force. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Sorry, Chozo. <laughs> However, I have little faith that these will stay popular, even with the generous marks. 
I just feel that everyone doesn't like cues that take longer than two or three minutes, which is unfortunate. Maybe Binary Circuit will stay alive, considering how fast it can be finished. I played Twin Tribulations last night. The first test of the combination lock with all the symbols. Uh, oh, the first test was the combination lock with all the symbols. Only, we weren't receiving the combination. It wasn't showing up in front of the door like it's supposed to. So we literally had to guess our way through trial and error. It was quite annoying. Even with the team coordinating, which symbols were wrong, the timer eventually ended and we received five marks for the entire effort. We all just warped out at that point. It was an awful first run. I haven't reported it yet, but I will next time. I'm in game. As for the wait on the queues, I haven't had any issue. I've never, uh, I have never had to wait more than three minutes to get one. About 90 seconds on average, but that's probably because I've been striking while the iron is hot. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah, no, sitting there for 10 and 15, well, no, I think it was about 10 minutes at most waiting for the queue to pop because I literally had gone back to Earth Space Dock, went and did stuff at the exchange to do stuff at the bank, and then did stuff in the fleet thing, and then ticked off some more admiralty and bridge officer uh, duty assignments, went back to the exchange, went back to the bank, went and sold some crap from a previous run, and then that queue popped. <laughs> yeah, that took a while. And you would think that would have been running constantly, considering it was the first or second day of the queue being out. Yeah, it should have been popping rather quickly. But again, it's one of those things where I think the big thing was everybody was expecting you to be grouped into five-man, and then two five-man teams get put together which is what happens but not a lot of people were queued for it the first couple of days it's slowly people having to realize that there has to be 10 people to start some of these missions i think that's what it's been and it's slowly gotten the queue faster as people realize that because you sit there looking at the thing and go there's five people here why aren't we going already why aren't, why aren't we oh it's a 10-man queue Okay, that's that's what happens, Chosen Wilder. So, Mafia vs. Ninja on the Star Trek Reddit commented on Tribbles 260 and said, Does anybody actually listen to these? Why? I'm sure Alex can write an entire novel on why. <laughs> and I kind of half expect him to do it, too, because I'd love to see Alex's response to Mafia vs. Ninja. But Midnight replied and said, yes, people do listen to the show, both live and downloading and streaming the episode. Why? You'd have to ask them. I listen to podcasts as I enjoy discussions, opinions, and debates. Oh, was there any response to that, Midnight? Um... I, I, I thought you highlighted. Now. I thought I thought you highlighted it to go and check it. <laughs> oh no, I I put it in chat just in case Alex did want to. <laughs> oh okay. Well, there no, there, there's no no response to <laughs> my reply. Okay. Ronan Sam Ronan on Twitter responded and said, "FYI, the Miradorn ship was the raider in the TNG episode Gambit when they go looking for the odd pieces." that create the Vulcan mind weapon. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to think what that was in relation to. 
the 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 lockbox ship, the Miradorn Raider, not the host, oh, not right, one. Yeah, the... of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what I think we'll do is next week we'll go through Alex's uh, story time um, email. Um, so, given that this is already a, a long show, and also okay. I remembered that we never did finish off um, Star Trek Online stuff because we've still got console stuff we hadn't gone through. So. Uh, We'll leave the feedback there for this week, and Alex will get to your story time email next week. So, console news. Star Trek Online console news. Like I said, we've been away for a couple of weeks. We're just kind of all over the place at this point. We can't remember anything, and we're just trying to get everything back and sorted into place. So we have some kind of normality again. And then, then you have Midnight, like, off doing 15 things at once, like he always does. So there's that, too. Uh, so, um, console news. Geez, did you want to go through the, the events? You still there, Hello? Please? You may have fallen asleep. <laughs> it is kind of, kind of late, yeah. Yeah, it is quarter past three in the morning for us, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. At least it's not half past six like normal on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, from the 11th of May to the 15th of May, you'll have an R&D weekend, so that's next weekend. And then from the 11th of May to the 1st of June, you'll have the Crystalline Catalysm. Cataclysm. What did I say? Catalysm. <laughs> no idea why I added the L in there. Um, so, yeah, um, you've got those two events coming up. Uh, this weekend, so people... Um, on console who catching us via download you'll probably be a little bit too late but you've got the arena of some pack that's been released that was the ground um training mission that we had must have been what two three months ago with the ground update yeah yeah um thoroughly enjoyed doing that um, I'm looking forward to getting that again. So, did, did did the PC actually have this this advertisement that you have in here as part of its blog, its news blog? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so it is it is copy pasta from the PC version. Yes. Okay, because I I never saw the PC version of this, so that's right. kind of hilarious that it's. The, the image of the Klingon Uncle Sam, and it says the Klingon Empire wants you to toughen up. Lol. So, um, so yeah, um, hopefully people actually got a chance to get in there. You can get some titles if you get to particular um, rounds. Um, you've got accolades. Um, you've got a kit module, um, which is the Lightning Universal one. Um, so, yeah. Um, thoroughly enjoyable event um, I found so um, hopefully people got to play um, 
Lucchesi's just put in chat and another services weekend. Don't remember if that was mentioned. Um, no, I haven't mentioned stuff that was on um, the PC this weekend because usually by the time the show goes out, it's all over. Um, so I thought wasn't any point doing it. The only reason that I've mentioned about the PlayStation for an Xbox One um, weekend is because it's the special arena one. Um, so that's something a little bit bigger than a sort of sale. But um, in game yeah. events or coverage sales, we've kind of gone, yeah, okay. It's a, yeah, it happens. I just thought it's a bit pointless saying what's happening this weekend for a lot of these sales because they don't give any notice and by the time this, the episode gets released, it's all over. So I thought, yeah, yep. pointless. Um, so yeah, this week, console players have got week three rewards for the featured episode of Signs and Portents. So this week's reward is the Braden reconnaissance variant shield array um so with this you can get the two-piece set bonus if you're already running stuff and well this is week three so you'll actually get the three-piece bonus set if you've played it all the previous times so um links will be in our show notes with further information on that if you're interested so that's it for Star Trek console news. So hopefully Geese will be back playing soon and we'll be able to get some feedback on um, any changes on there. I hope so, yeah. Okay, so we've got something for any other business. Any other business. Oh, I thought you were going to be talking about your promotion. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what Sun's meaning is I'm taking more of a responsibility for Holosuite Media, which um, Triple goes under. Um, but for the most part, it's nothing more than what I have already been doing. Um, it's just more official now. Um, but oh, no. By the way, before you before you continue, I'm sorry that sounds like fapping, but that is the sound of one hand clapping because I can't clap and push the button to talk at the same time unless I hold the button with my notes. <laughs> Thank you. Also, that rhymed and it was very poetic. <laughs> but yeah, the only other business that um, I've got down is actually about me. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, I'm actually looking for people to help sponsor me. I'm in the UK. Cancer Research UK are um, doing an event where you walk 10,000 steps each and every day of June. And as someone who on average does about 1,500 steps, um, that's a huge difference. Um, I actually had a look at my phone and last weekend, last Saturday, it said that I walked a total of 300 steps. 
for the whole week or just that day? Just that day, which isn't exactly a lot. Um, Well, it's not bad either. (laughs) If you you figure out how far you go with 300 steps, it's actually quite bad. That's basically me just walking up and down the stairs a couple of times during the day. (laughs) So, so, yeah, um, it's basically five miles, approximately. Um, 10,000 steps is going to be. So, um, yeah, it's going to be quite a difficult thing for me to um, do. So I've got a month to get ready. Um, I've just got some new trainers and a pedometer um, to sort of measure how far I'm walking. Um, But yeah, it's all going for a good cause to help beat cancer. So the link will be in our show notes. So if you are able to, um, please uh, consider sponsoring me. Um, Sort of goes to a good cause. I'm not sure there's many people who can't say that they haven't been affected by a friend or family um, because of cancer of some sort. So, And shout yeah. out to my friend, you know who you are, who heard that word and instantly thought, I can detect pedophiles because that's a thing my friend has believed for the longest time. Again, you know who you are. And it's hilarious that when they hear the word pedometer, they think it's actually like a pedophile radar. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. I'm thinking, huh? Uh, no, it's 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 something that I don't let go. I, it's just that is hilarious, and I kind of wish those things did exist. Uh, I do, but yeah, um, if you can um, donate some money, um, oof, I'd be very grateful. So yeah, that's it for this week. So thanks. And hook. Take care, everyone. Farewell. Take care, everyone. <laughs> You're right there, geez. Yeah. Just woke up from the uh, below on my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I suddenly wait, remembered wait, wait, after. Wait, 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 you, 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 wait, you had a pedo on your keyboard? What? A pillow. Oh, okay. <laughs> A pedo, what? <laughs> Listen no, back to the said, last bit of the show. I <laughs> honestly thought you had said piddle, like you were drooling on the keyboard. I'm sure if I look, that's somewhere and all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I suddenly remembered uh, during feedback that we hadn't covered console news. So they did console news. So, so Geese, um, do you want to tell us about the events that are on? I've just got this silence. <laughs> so. Anyway. That's uh, all good. <laughs> we will catch you next week. Goodbye, everyone.
tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends.